0: Well, last uh, session that we had, we had finally made it, I think that was the session where we had just made it to Kragadan, finally, after all this time, and you had gone to the Guardians. I guess we started at the Lava Lake, actually, a little bit before Kragadan proper, and uh, you spotted some irregularities in the lava flow and decided to not investigate the Extremely hot lava, and I—I I decided I'd be gracious and show you what you missed, which were some really awesome magma to- elemental tokens. But uh, you decided to just skirt around the the cavern, go up the go up the walkway, up to the big door, which led you to a chamber that had two dead dwarves that had come back as. Oh, I'm not going to be able to do the the word again. Ein, ein herr ye. A, a Norse word, I think, for basically they came back after death to continue their defense of their homeland. And you negotiated with them. They let Orin in because he's a dwarf and the others of you were not dwarves. So they refused your entry until Orin came back with the royal archivist and a half a dozen defenders. And they all decided to hear you out uh, check if any of you are evil and then they let you in and yep. eventually Carburton came back from a meeting with the prince saying that in a couple days time you would be uh, led to a a meeting with the even-handed synod and they would be pronouncing um, they would they would hear out your uh, story and then they would figure out what the next steps would be pretty much uh, and for the rest of that first day in Krakadan, you guys lived it up. You went to, like, the, the hot spring sauna. You went to the fancy clothing shop. And got a ridiculous amount of money's worth of jewels and fancy clothes and signet rings. And then you went to the, the high-end uh, restaurant in the center of the city and got quite a bit of a feast there and I think that's where we pretty much ended that last session and between sessions we've all had time to kind of figure out the shopping side of things, selling items and buying items basically you guys have two to three days at this point, I think three days pretty much until your meeting with the Synod so during that time, if there's anything you wanted to do in particular, you could bring that up. Or if there weren't any particular special bits, we could talk about maybe what you bought and kind of say over the next few days you went out and found these items. And if there's anything in particular you wanted to highlight, we could do that. And then we could kind of jump to that meeting. But I, I didn't know if anybody wanted to do anything special beyond. That first day of of lavishness?
1: Um. No, but I would like to start two items to be commissioned. So he can start that now. We can start the timer. Um, All right. enhan- enhancing his shield. I want to give it It's a plus two right now. And I'd like to add light fortification and another plus one. So if I'm not mistaken on the math, that should cost 12,000, Jace. Is that right?
0: Yeah, so a plus two shield is 4,000. This would be the equivalent of a plus four shield, so the difference between four and 16 is 12. So so it would take 12 days.
1: Yep, and then he's also going to commission a belt.
0: Commission a belt? Okay. Yeah,
1: which will take yep. 10 days. We talked okay. about it earlier. Yep.
0: yep. Were you going to say something, Justin, or was that somebody else I heard?
2: Oh, I was just going to say I was going to have a additional plus one to my shield for an ability.
0: Did you have an ability in mind or just? I don't because I it?
2: don't know what they are. I was going to roll it randomly just to see.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> you can love rolling
3: randomly. <laughs> so I really do. You, I
0: mean, that's, that's fine. You can do that. I'll just say that there there are a number of of special abilities that are kind of class specific and would be non-beneficial. Yeah, I saw
2: that like like champion. I saw that. Yeah. I was like, okay, so, that ain't really going to help I me? I mean, maybe
0: you could look through, find a couple that you liked, and then roll amongst those to make sure you didn't get anything weird. But uh, yeah, you could do that. That's fine. But yeah, getting that upgraded. And it was already what was it? A plus one? Plus two? Plus one? So that would only take three days to do. So you'd actually have that pretty much by the meeting, probably almost close to it. But yeah, you can look through those if you want at some point yeah. and just tell me tell me what you're thinking. Anything cool that uh Kieran or Jessup are gonna buy?
3: So I'm flavoring these differently, but they are the sandals of quick reaction, but they are not sandals because that would be absurd.
0: They're crocs.
3: They're not yeah. crocs.
0: The they crocs are of quick reaction. No. <laughs> <laughs>
3: they are they are boots of quick reaction so I bought those and I am commissioning my glaive to be improved from a plus 1 to a plus 2 and I also am commissioning a deep red sphere iron stone so those are my things I also did buy an amulet of mighty fists plus 1 so that my natural attacks are better and then I did get a steadfast gut stone just to have
1: are you getting a full deep red sphere iron stone or are you getting like a cracked version
3: Nope, the full one.
1: Ooh, so you're gonna get basically a, the belt but slotless.
3: Yeah. Yep. Basically. Yeah. I because I have the belt of dwarven kind, which I kind of like, and I didn't want to replace that, so I figured the iron stone would be a decent replacement for that.
0: The uh, sandal boots—they're just normal normal boots, and these sandals are just tied underneath them.
3: <laughs> no. They are not sandals. <laughs> I hate when they have stuff like that. When like yeah. if you look up the boots of the cat, it's like these high heeled shoes. I'm like, nobody's wearing those out adventuring.
0: That's what Jessup wears. <laughs> That's probably just uh, the marketing the first iteration of the items were marketed that way, but realistically they could put the magic onto any sort of thing. I imagine. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm but thinking. Whenever you look through the catalog of magic items, that's the one that pops up. That <laughs> That's the marketing <laughs> version.
3: Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm doing. And then, um, I did buy some mundane things, but they're not really important.
0: Cool. Cool. Jessup. How about you? I know between, Jessup and Kieran, we all rolled for items. Uh, One of you was extremely lucky, and the other one was not so much. So, Jessup, what all did you get? So, Jessup
4: got a cool hat. So, he got his Dervish Sike. So, and it looks Sike, too, let me tell you. So, he's got a cool hat, gives some pretty neat bonuses. So, for you others there... It increases his Inspire Courage and Inspire Competence bonus by one. So as long as I have the hat on, you guys can add a plus one to those bonuses now. Uh, a couple other cool flavored things. gives me some increase to my bardic knowledge. And then because I, I didn't have it made for me, I just bought the one that was existing. It just gives me a uh, generic bonus to engineering. Jessup also got... Some Gloves of Arcane Striking, so when I do my Arcane Strike ability, I can add some cool bonuses to do a little AoE damage or some aiding, and I got a Quiver, an Efficient Quiver, so it can hold more arrows, because Jessup is a little tight on space here. I think I think that was about it. A couple other small knickknacks, but basically the Seke was the big one that I was hoping for, didn't think I was going to get it, and I actually, it was in stock, surprisingly enough,
0: so... Yep. And I encourage everyone to look up what that hat looks like.
4: I posted it in Facebook. Like, yep. it is a Turkish cap. Jessup looks sweet.
0: S-I-K-K-E. <laughs>
4: Jessup is now six inches taller with his cap on.
0: It's like a fez, but the big version. <laughs> it's like a fez. So, yeah. So, all of that shopping could be done over those days. Uh Yeah. Oh, I
4: forgot. Also, uh, Jess is having um, somebody commissioned to increase his short bow from a plus one to a plus two, so he has given that up. I don't know how many days that is, but he'll just do that. I'm sure.
0: So, a plus one weapon is two thousand. A plus f- two weapon is 6,000. Six? Well, the dif- the difference in uh, the, the difference, difference between six. them would be six. So it would be six All days. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And uh, what were you saying, Justin? Oh, so the the items that we had talked about. So the ring of protection. Did you already roll for that?
0: I rolled for all rolled three, for the ring, okay. the symbol, and the gloves, yes. and I think the symbol and gloves are in stock.
2: Yes, but the ring was not. Okay, yes. yes. So After seven days,
0: we can re-roll any of these items after seven days, and we can see if they come in, or you could just commission them and guaranteeingly get it after however many days it is, but that's up to you.
2: No, that's all right. So I'll I'll get the malleable symbol, and the healer's gloves, and then the shield, I think I'm going to do uh, Defiant.
0: Uh, Defiant is the one that you have to pick a yes. creature type, so, right? And you are picking ooze.
2: Actually, that's the part that I'm going to do random. Just
0: for fun. Oh, interesting.
2: I love random. So let's see what I get here. All right, according to the chart, a 47 is uh, humanoids. So that's that's not bad, which is a huge chunk of this, of this chart because you go by the Bane chart. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Humanoids is a big So, Humanoids
2: chunk. pick one pick one subtype, so, Ooh. I mean, I guess I'll just <clears throat> go with...
0: <laughs>
2: no, um, why don't I just go with... El- why would I attack elves? I mean, realistically, it would be Goblinoid, Goblinoids. right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, so I'm just gonna do Goblinoid. It seems like that's what it should have been anyway, so...
1: It's funny that you rolled and then got Goblinoid.
2: I know, right? Cool. And then just the malleable symbol and the gloves.
0: Alright. So yeah, like I said, over the next uh, two, three days you guys can kind of scour out Krakadan and do any other touristy stuff and go to the various shops until you find some of these items uh, or find people who could create these items if you needed uh, and couldn't find one in stock. Is there anything in particular that you guys wanted to to do otherwise, or do you want to just kind of kind of time skip up to that meeting?
3: I don't think there's anything super special that Kieran would do. He would probably make multiple visits to the spa just to enjoy himself after the weeks and, I don't know, maybe months that they've been out on the road, but I think other than that, he's really just... I know we have to have a, an escort, so he would probably be super annoying and always want an escort just walking around the city, kind of marveling at the architecture and the fact that it's all underground and how it's set up and how everything works in the Dwarven society, kind of comparing it to his knowledge of the cities that are primarily human and how they run. And he's definitely trying out the Dwarven bars and taverns to try the different whiskeys and ales and whatever they might have.
2: Your menace,
0: a menace to society.
3: Why? <laughs> I am furthering the economy. Thank you very much. I would say,
0: <laughs> far from being annoyed by your requests, uh, Carber and who would probably be your escort would be elated to just lead you around and tell you everything about everything. And I would wager it's probably more likely that Kieran gets annoyed by the in, the amount of in-depth information that he'd be able to glean from... <laughs> I, I can
4: see, and I don't know, uh, Sarah, if you were planning on Kieran going along, but I, I was thinking as well that, you know, between the shopping that Jessup has, that he would just want to mingle with as many people and go around and learn as much as he can, like a tourist, because I mean, what else are you going to do for so many days? So probably that's something where he would tag along. Um, and I think he enjoyed the spa the other day as well, so if Kieran was as acceptable you know, like that, he probably would go around with you for those days.
3: Yeah, I imagine Kieran, he's not mingling, perhaps unless they get to the tavern, and then he'll mingle with the uh, roughneck dwarves or whatever that are in there. But um, I think if their guide, what, what was his name again?
0: So normally you would be led around by the royal archivist Carburton Light.
3: Carburton, okay, yeah, with Carburton. If he just goes off on his. Um, speeches about Krakadan like Kieran would probably just zone out and not really pay attention and just be taking in the sights and scenes around him and just letting him go off and talk and not really be paying attention. Yep.
1: I remember you saying that there was a Pathfinder Society presence here in Krakadan. Is that true?
0: Um, I can't remember if there's a, so much of a Pathfinder Society presence as there is just that the prince is very interested and is a member of the Pathfinder Society. I don't believe that they have a lodge
1: here. Right, there's no lodge, okay. Is there, um... They'd be
0: welcome, but given the siege and whatnot, they really wouldn't have,
1: you know. That's fine. Is there, uh, any... Like, where does he store all of his information? Is there, like, a public library? Is there a vault of information apart from Vault Way or something like that?
0: There would be public libraries. Depending on the information that you're looking for, you might not be able to find them there. It just depends on what you're looking for. They have a royal archives, but you'd need permission to get in there.
5: Mm,
1: Yeah, if he gets permission to go there, he'd like to go there. And he's not looking for anything in particular. He's just looking for history of... Cragadan, he he has an academic interest. It's nothing
0: with ulterior motives. Yeah, so you, you could find general stuff.
3: I would certainly hope that the Royal Archivist would be able to get permission to go into the Royal Archives.
0: Well, he definitely could, but it, the issue is getting you guys in.
3: Well, I mean, Kieran doesn't want to, but I'm just thinking that if there was one person that wanted to, he probably, if the Royal Archivist vouched for him, they probably would be more willing to let him go in.
0: I'd say that you likely wouldn't be able to gain access to the Royal Archives specifically until after the meeting with the Synod. Kind of the same like how you're not given access to the the surface of Kragadan during the siege until the meeting. But that is definitely something that you could request during the meeting. And once once they have cleared you of any residual suspicion. If there's no nothing else uh, anybody wanted to cover, then we'll just say that those three days go by. As we said, maybe Gideon's going to some of the public libraries to see what he can find there. Uh, Kieran's touring around. Uh, you guys are all looking for those jobs and whatnot. Maybe spending each day having that lavish treatment, given that you have been kind of out in the sticks for two months now in-world. So, eventually... On that third day, you uh, wake up and you know that this is the day that you have the meeting. You get around, everything is... You probably wear your nice, uh, new, fancy clothes, I imagine, to make yourselves look super professional and presentable. And uh, Carber and Lightbrand actually comes to where you are staying. And again, you originally were taken to Trud's stronghold, but... He then got permission to move you to the Great Hammer Bastion, and that's where you've actually been staying each night, is uh, down here a little bit south. So the Great Hammer Bastion is where you've been staying. So on that day, Royal Archivist Carbert and Lightbrain, he escorts you not to the traditional tribunal, which you might have imagined that you'd be taken to, but rather he takes you to a grand feasting hall, Inside of Great Hammer Bastion So you don't even really leave the building You just kind of walk down the hallway To the other side of the building To the Grand Feasting Hall And once inside You see a table Lavishly set with food and drink And on the one side of this table There are four empty chairs And on the other side Once Carburton takes his seat There are four impeccably dressed dwarves Two male, two female there are several guards that line the outer walls of this grand feasting hall, and they stand sentinel over the proceedings. After you guys get situated uh, at the table, sitting side by side on the one side of the table, the dwarf at the far right side stands and speaks. Greetings and welcome to our Sky Citadel of Cragadan. Though your visit comes at a suspicious time, and from a suspicious point of entry, we dwarves aren't ones to skimp on hospitality. I hope your stay has been pleasant thus far. I apologize for the restrictions we had to place on you. I hope you understand our reasoning. I'm sure you would be doubtful after finding someone in your cellar without warning as well, especially if your house was under siege. He kind of chuckles a bit before continuing. My name is Gorm Greathammer, third prince of Kragadan, and first seat of the Even-Handed Synod. Beside me is my sister, and exemplar of Trud, Thramira Greathammer. With us also is the overseer of Kragadan's trade and clan relations, Lady Hikal Balatum. And, of course, you are familiar with Royal Archivist and Lightbrand. He sits back down before continuing. Now, it seems you have quite the tale to tell us of your arrival here at our home, and I, for one, am eager to hear it. So if you would be so kind, would you please start at the very beginning? So a couple things here. First up, I'll allow either the party as a whole or each of you individually to roll a Knowledge Local, Knowledge Religion, knowledge nobility check to identify the members of the Even-Handed Synod that sit before you.
3: First off, I want to say I feel like what we're about to do is like the Pathfinder equivalent of taking a test in school. It's like (laughs) the GM's like, all right, how much do you remember of the last three books that we played? All right, so you said nobility, local, or religion? Yes. Alright, I will roll a knowledge of nobility and get a 27.
1: I rolled a knowledge religion and got a 26.
2: Got a knowledge religion. Got a 12. I will do a local, I guess. Oh, crab baskets! Oh, knowledge
1: religion.
4: religion! Oh, my sickies covered my eyes! <laughs> <Sleep>. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
1: see. Amazing.
0: Amazing. So, with those rolls of 27, 26, uh, the 16 is enough to... you information, you probably already knew most of this about the Royal Archivist, but the nobility gets you more on uh, Prince Gorm and uh, the religion gets you more on Exemplar of Thramira and uh, you learn a little bit about Lady Hikal. So again, Royal Archivist Carbert and Lightbrand uh, he is, in gamey terms, a lawful neutral wizard ten. Uh, You know that he was recently appointed to his position only three years ago. Uh, and again he mentioned how his father had sort of disappeared and left him to get to his position without the standard procedure he is responsible for maintaining the vast troves of lore available in the Sky Citadel's royal archives and in Vault Way. he has a particular affinity for the history of surface dwelling nations due to the fact that he uh, lacked the opportunity to travel the surface like most royal archivists before him Uh, Prince Gorm Greathammer you've Over your time in the city, probably talking to just random uh, passersby or uh, shop merchants, you know that he is a neutral Bard 7, Pathfinder Chronicler 2. He is the third child of Kragadan's king and a member of the Pathfinder Society. After his father's self-exile, Gorm compromised and took a seat on the Even-Handed Synod rather than take the mantle of king for himself. He craves the thrill of adventure and exploration more than anything, but understands the duties that come with his lineage. Exemplar Thremira Greathammer, you know that she is a lawful good paladin of Trud, Eleven, so she is uh the most martially capable of the four here. She is the highest ranking member of the Church of Trud, and the second child of Kragodan's King. Her position as exemplar prevents her from taking on a leadership role beyond her position on the Even-Handed Synod. She is analytical and even-tempered. She is also a strategist whose primary challenge is keeping the militaristic elements of her faith stable and focused during the siege. She was also one of the few members of the Even-Handed Synod to not immediately demand Multhuni blood for the intrusion into the vaults, much to the amazement of others. And finally, uh, Lady Hikal Balatum. she is a lawful neutral aristocrat ten, so very much not uh, martially focused in, by any means. She is the most junior of the present members of the Even-Handed Synod, uh, though she commands immense power in the Sky Citadel. She maintains various commerce and trade agreements between clans of Kragadan. Uh, she also presides over trade agreements between um, external powers such as Kragadan's exports to Druma, Nirmathos, and formerly Molthune. And uh, rumor has it that she has been especially interested in proving Molthune innocent of the trespass, as she is eager to see the siege end and full trade return to Kragadan. So that's kind of the general understanding that you have of these four particular members of the Even-Handed Synod that you are faced with. Now, as for what prince gorm had said he asked to start at the very beginning basically how this hearing is going to work is that you are not necessarily expected to defend your arrival at cragadan instead the even-handed synod wants to hear an entire recounting of your journey up to now your story will be divided into four sections first is the fall of feindar then rescuing the chernasardo then defending long shadow And finally, all the events leading up to your arrival in Kragadin. Each of these four sections is divided into three parts, beginning, middle, and end, just like a standard story. Uh, Except for the fourth part, which has a beginning and middle, your arrival in Kragadin, the beginning and middle. And then the final section would just be an overall conclusion. Uh, So still three sections, but not a beginning, middle, and end, because there's technically no end yet. So... You will make one skill check for each part, so three checks per story section. So, the Fall of Feindar, you'll have a you'll have one skill check for the beginning of the story, one for the middle, and one for the end of that book. Basically, uh, you can use any of the following skills, but each skill can only be used once per section. So. You could roll an appraise check if you present some trophy from your tale to corro- corroborate your uh, story. You could do a bluff. You could do a diplomacy and intimidate. You could use a knowledge check as applicable, a profession check as applicable, like a like a profession soldier for defending Longshadow would work. You could do a perform as applicable, a sense motive, or a spellcraft by presenting an acquired magic item. Uh, Technically, you can also roll Handle Animal, but none of you have Animal Companions, so I omitted that one. But yeah, there are nine different skills that you can choose to roll, but only one per section. So you'll have to choose three of those nine. Each of you will take charge of recounting one section of the story. The Even-Handed Synod wants to hear from all of you. So each of you will have to decide which section you will be in charge of recounting. The rest of you can attempt to aid to enhance the details when not recounting your own section, though. Well-described sections may gain some additional bonuses. And just so you are aware, if you speak Dwarven, you gain a plus one, uh, sorry, plus two bonus to all of your checks.
2: Yay! So, so three of if us. you are Dwarven. Right.
4: Great. <laughs> shouldn't, they just, shouldn't they just believe me? <laughs> Kieran takes off his pants and hands, the belt over to get in during his section of the story.
3: Why do I have to take off my pants to hand over the belt? <laughs> shh, shh, shh. Don't, wait!
0: <laughs> Karen, this is how things work with a 36 plus. <laughs> so, um, I have a set DC for each section that all of your checks will be up against. I won't tell you which sections are harder than others, but I will say just some of the sections are harder than others. So, again, there are four sections, and each of you will be uh, in charge of one. So, how do you think you're going to go about this?
4: I will say Orange should take the first section. Yeah. Obviously.
3: He's the only one that encountered those events firsthand.
4: It potentially makes sense for maybe uh, Jessup to take on uh, the second section there, talking all about the rangers being a ranger. Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
3: Yeah, and then... I think either Gideon or Kieran would make sense for the defense of Long Shadow because they both have soldier backgrounds. So I think I'm fine to Gideon see
1: tried to snipe that yeah, one. Yeah, I tried to snipe it. I, okay, I, think, that's I think Gideon would like to handle the siege because that's what he was most involved with.
4: I mean, and I think that, you know, Kieran, you had started us off really with the, uh, trying to do the, um, diplomatizing with Qual there leading up. And then you're successfully giving, uh, giving us the, um, Dark fishing. So without you, we would not be here. Many, many times. Fair many enough. times this book. You would also not be here without
1: us many, many times. But uh, the siege you said is the third part, so the fourth yes. part is the Darklands.
0: Yes. The fourth part would be everything after the siege leading up to your entry to Cragadan, and then just an overall conclusion.
1: I'd leave that to Kieran also because he's been here the longest, short like as far as with the current group, I think maybe Jessup was not even here as long.
0: Uh, yeah, Kieran is the most veteran by probably maybe a couple weeks compared to Jessup. So alright. If everybody is okay with that lineup, we can go into this. So again, Prince Gorm he asks to start from the very beginning. So Are we
1: allowed to use our campaign notes? <laughs> this is all off the cuff.
0: <laughs> I'd like to see how you go off the cuff. If you run into issues, maybe we can open something, but uh you I'd actually like, I'd want like us to regale the story? <laughs> Yeah, do your best to, in-character, how your character perceived those events. Just what you saw happen. And uh, you can try to play it up and exaggerate things if you want. That's why there's stuff like Bluff there. If you wanted to kind of exaggerate some of the things. It was thousands upon thousands rather than hundreds upon hundreds of enemies type of thing. So just, you know, go how you think your character would remember those events. So... Section 1 is Trail of the Hunted, that is the title of Book 1. This section encompasses the events from the Duke's Defense of Feindar, the retreat into the Fangwood, the taking of Mist Home, and the final battle against Camp Redjaw, the defeat of Sergeant Scarvinius, and, of course, the death of Volus. So, go ahead, Oren, and... Uh, beginning with this tail
1: in my head i hear like a typewriter's noise right
0: <laughs> trail um, from the well, i guess
2: i'll take the start here uh you know we we kind of started the, the tale really starts in the town of the small town of feindar uh we were there for a, a small festival uh that they have every year and there were several people in attendance uh there was uh, a druid uh uh, mercenary captain uh myself and uh we also had a a, bar- a barbarian woman uh you know that were all in attendance uh we had we had done several activities throughout the day at the festival and uh we were enjoying a a pint at the local tavern when all of a sudden a ballista bolt uh crashed in through the door uh, charging outside, we saw that there was a giant stone tower uh, that had materialized seemingly out of nowhere and hobgoblins were pouring from it, attacking the townspeople and raiding all the various houses and homes and shops throughout the town. We uh, tried to rally a defense, but uh, it didn't, didn't go quite well. Uh, we, we, uh, we managed to rescue a, a few dozen survivors uh, from the town, and we, we fled into, uh, into, uh, into the woods there. Um, unfortunately, one of the companions from that day, the mercenary captain, uh, he, he stayed behind. We, we had tried to blow a bridge that leads into Faindar to try and buy ourselves more time to escape into the Fangwood, uh, but we, we failed unfortunately, to, to destroy the bridge. So he stayed behind to to buy everybody more time. And we, uh, but we, we did, we did make it into the Fingwood. Um, several prominent people from the town died. Uh, Father Nolan, for instance, which is Jessup's, uh, uh, father. Um, you know, he, he passed away, unfortunately. Um, you know, but, but we managed to make it out with Auburn, the green, Uh, who, who had spent some time with us in the Fangwood and at Mist Home. um, getting a little ahead of myself, but we, we escaped from, from Fandar into the Fangwood. Uh, we spent several days, uh, trying to come up with a plan of where we could rally ourselves and, and really find safe positions for the, the town folk, uh. We we tried going to the small village of uh I believe it's Gristledown, I I think was the name of it. Um we, we tried to go down uh, to, to Gristledown, uh but it, it had also been been devastated and destroyed. Um we we also tried going to a, a few different rangers locations like a readout, um, a small hunting cabin, uh, at each of those places, we, we failed to really find a safe haven for the townsfolk. Uh, eventually we did come across a small cave dwelling, uh, that was, uh, full of troglodytes, uh, we, we really didn't know. I'll, I'll be honest here. We did not try and negotiate with the troglodytes. But in, in retrospect, it seemed like the uh, Iron Fang Legion was trying to diplomatize with, with them anyway. So I don't know how, how well that would have went anyway. Uh, after clearing out the tunnels of the troglodytes and killing their, uh, I believe I believe she was a stone mother. I think I think that's what she was called. We uh, we managed to we managed to secure the cave and uh, set up a small base there in the cave that seemed to be safe from the Ironfang Legion. Uh, uh, unfortunately, the Legion was scouring the woods trying to locate the survivors of Fangdar. Um, in doing so, we did find several different uh, groups including uh, you know a, a few other survivors that we brought back um, we ended up naming the cave uh, mist home um, and we're using it as a base of operations uh, but like I said the uh, the the goblins hobgoblins were everywhere uh, the barbarian that was with us uh, you know we went to a, a grave site, uh, and we were beset by a war priest there and several undead hobgoblins, uh, we went to, um, we went to, uh, several places throughout the Fangwood and, and it seemed like everywhere we turned around, there were, there were hobgoblins waiting for us. Um, eventually we, uh, we did make our way to a hobgoblin, uh, base called camp Redjaw, I think, was the name of it where there seemed to be a commander. Uh, I, I, I will reiterate that we did, we did try going back to Faindar after the fact. Um, it, it did not go well. Um, when we got there, uh, we could see that they were, uh, basically enslaving and murdering all of the, uh, surviving members of Faendar of the surviving citizens of Faendar. uh and we were grossly outnumbered uh by the hundreds and the stone tower was still there there was nothing we could do to to liberate the city or uh, the town rather but getting back to the the camp that we found uh there was seemed to be a hobgoblin leader named scarvinius who uh was leading the hobgoblins and uh We tried to lure him out of his camp that he had there uh, unsuccessfully. We we did manage to get some of the troops that were there because we were grossly outnumbered. Um, We did manage to get a few of them out to lessen the numbers, but in the end, we, uh, we did have to engage him out in the open and unfortunately the druid that we had with us uh, had an animal companion that had been with us from the start named Volus uh, he was a bear and uh, you know unfortunately Scarvinius managed to murder uh, the bear Volus uh, but we did we did successfully end up taking out uh, him and the, the camp camp there
0: alright so now what I would like you to do you summed up all three of those sections, all three of those parts of that section there. It's <sighs> uh, hard to remember a lot of that stuff
2: for
1: sure.
0: You, you <laughs> did really was, well. I was, was like, ago, yeah. Oh,
3: I'm, I missed that part. I'm glad he mentioned that. I mean, that. there's <laughs> others
2: I didn't mention like fighting the mites and fighting yeah. the, 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 big wolf and stuff like that. I didn't mention all that cause it didn't really seem pertinent, but yeah. Or the senator.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, what I'll say here is, uh, So just so you're all aware, any like minor details that you forget, we're going to like hand wave and like say, because again, this is over a conversation. You're all eating here. You're all at a feast. So there's a, there's back and forth here that would be going on. uh, And this whole meeting would probably take maybe two or so hours, depending on how much detail they would ask questions about. But so we're just going to roll checks to kind of Hand wave some of the back and forth there, and then I'll 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 re I'll explain how the synod reacts to your telling. So, Justin, you'll have three checks. Uh, again, you can choose three out of these nine. You can only make one at a time, but you can roll uh, one per per part. So, appraise if you have any sort of trophy from a particular part with you. Uh, bluff, diplomacy, intimidate. An applicable knowledge, an applicable profession, an applicable perform, a sense motive, or a spellcraft if you have a magic item from from one of those parts.
2: Okay. Would any of us have, for instance, I, I know there was the, I mentioned that they were trying to diplomatize with the uh, troglodytes. Do we, does the current party have the missive that was sent to the troglodytes? Like, there was, like, a letter or whatever, right, that went to the Tronwoodites that was like, right? hey, guys, we want to be friends. Do we have that letter
0: on us? Yeah, if you look at the handouts, I think you are referring to handout 1.2, Salutations, Children of Stone. Yes.
2: Yes. So do we have that? There it is. Yeah. Do we have that with us? My
1: guess is, of the people that would have it, um, you're among them and the rest are gone. <laughs>
0: Well, Kieran, Kieran might, because Kieran was at Mist home. So, yeah, so the person who originally had the handy haversack was Nayari. Mm-hmm. But I think she left all of the pertinent stuff behind when she departed. Yes. And since then, Kieran has been tracking things. So if I imagine Kieran probably has any relevant stuff, unless there unless there was an event that I'm missing that would uh, explain not having those. Not having it, right.
2: Okay, so could I present that and then make a check?
0: Sure, if you wanted to present that as a an appraise, yeah. That's that it's not a trophy, but I would say that it's evidence. So
2: So I can make an appraise check with that.
0: I would say since it's a written source, I'd let you do appraise or you could even do linguistics if you wanted to, because it's like a it's a missive, so either of those weirdly
2: my appraise is one
0: higher than my linguistics. 20. I will say that for the part of this story relevant to Missed Home, Kieran, you could aid, uh, Jessup wasn't, Jessup probably was at Missed Home, but very briefly. Right. So I think I'd only really allow Kieran to, to attempt to aid on the mist Home section. Yeah, because Kieran was like right
2: after the party yeah. split up, so. Yeah, yeah.
3: Conveniently so. <laughs>
0: Conveniently so. Oddly so. So.
3: <laughs> so I could roll an appraise to try to aid? Yes, for okay. the,
0: the part relevant to Mistome. Yep.
3: And we cannot take 10 on these?
0: No, you can't take 10 on, on, on aid another. Or,
3: okay, yeah. here we go. A 22. Okay.
0: So I do aid. So with that, that brings Oren's check to a 22, but he speaks Dwarven, so that would make it a 24. Along with any relevant for uh, information. For the record.
3: Kieran would also speak in Dwarven, with his belt just to add a little oomph.
4: Okay. and has no idea what conversation we're having just <laughs> entire session.
0: Um so that is that is a success. So you have two more checks. So again, so that was that was the missed home check. Uh, and you still have two more that you can make out of the remaining options.
2: I would say maybe Can I do like a
0: knowledge history for the check on Feindar?
2: For like, I could allow a knowledge knowledge history
0: to kind of enhance the details of Feindar. I could allow a knowledge religion because you mentioned fighting the war priest. Uh, That would be fine with me as well if you wanted to do that. I don't know what other options you might have. A general diplomacy, obviously, would would make sense. Not my greatest. A sense motive would work to kind of gauge their reactions and then tailor your story to kind of suit how they're responding.
2: Okay. How about I do a sense motive for the war priest, if that's okay? And okay. then a yep. knowledge history for the uh, feindar details. Okay. Yep. Here's the history it's a 25. Well, 25. Yep. Okay. And the sense motive for the war priest is a 24.
0: <laughs> 24. So you rolled a 13 on the appraise on the die an 18 on the die for the history and a 16 on the die for the sense bonus. Pretty, pretty nice roles all around. So
4: even though Jessup was not part of book one, since he originated from Feindar, would he be allowed to aid to enhance details of it?
0: That is a fair point. Yeah, I, I would allow that.
2: Also, I did mention father Nolan. Yep. Nolan. So I can, yes. I
4: can regale father Nolan. And I mean, I don't know what else would help, but um, he would, I would seem like Jessup could help out adding details maybe at a, penalty because he wasn't there but Iden would have told him because he would have asked about everything but so I do at least get uh I do aid on the history I didn't even actually need to roll
0: yeah so that would bring the knowledge history with the aid to a 27 and then because you speak dwarven it would be a 29 and then the sense motive is 24 so actually all three of those will succeed so nice as you tell this story you begin with the the fall of feyndar essentially you see that all four of the dwarves of the Synod here listen keenly to the introduction of your tale. You notice a subtle emotional reaction from Thramira, who seems moved by your plight at Feindar and your description of the loss of life there, the, the death and the struggle of these innocent people. As a exemplar of Trud and a, a focus on defense and whatnot, she, she resonates with that story. You notice that Carburton is lost in thought the moment you mention this onyx tower. You begin describing it coming out of the ground and and the the hobgoblins uh, coming out of it. And you can see that it's it's like he's searching his mind, trying to match up your description with his knowledge of artifacts and items, trying to figure out precisely what might have caused this effect. And then as you move into the description of the Fangwood, your survival there... Again, Carburton—he kind of—he snaps back into the conversation. He begins posing many, many questions, uh, particularly uh, about your encounters with the troglodytes. And uh, you might have mentioned like the crypt you found uh, underground, the uh, ancient, ancient—oh yes, crypt. yes, yep. Any mention of that, you see his eyes light up, and he's—he's he's super interested, and he's asking like, "Oh, how old were the stones? And the statue you saw? What did it look like?" And and he's just. It probably takes the next 30 minutes of conversation just to get him to calm down a little bit after you describe this this uh location. And actually, Orin, you'd be the best to describe this because you actually are the only one who went down that tunnel just leading into it. the Darklands. Yeah. Yep. So um you describe all of that and and he is he is extraordinarily interested in that whole section of the story. And then for the battle against Camp Red Jaw and Sergeant Scarvinius, the death of Volus, and all of that. You see that both Thramira and Gorm are sitting on the edge of their seats uh, at the description of that battle. And you see, uh, I imagine that this uh, would probably fall under Oren's section, the splitting up of the party at the very, very end there. Hmm. You can see that Gorm looks uh, disappointed hearing about the party's internal conflict. And from what you know of him, you, you imagine he's probably... He probably romanticizes adventuring, as he hasn't been able to do it much himself. So the idea of adventurers out there living his dream and running into this issue, internal conflict, and then breaking up, you can see that a part of him is disheartened to hear that. But at the end of your tale, all three of them seemed very keen to listen. You didn't really lose anyone's attention at any point during your story they're all following you nodding along posing questions and keeping the conversation going and you believe that you've given a, a pretty solid a pretty solid start to the the tale there
2: Orrin sets the bar pretty high good luck guys
0: <laughs> that brings us to section two fangs of war the title of book two of iron fang invasion this section details the exploration of the deeper parts of the Fangwood. wood the search for the three ranger forts, um, Nunder, uh, Riston, and Trevale, the rescue of Serio Thessadin, and the final battle at Fort Trevale, and the defeat of the Black Dragon. And yes, I knew you were going to write that in Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> well, I didn't know it was just my,
2: I thought my mic or my headset cut out for a second. I was like, hey. he said ranger farts. I <laughs> knew you were going to say that.
0: <laughs> uh. So yeah, that is what this section will be. Will be going into, and did we? We decided uh, Jessup would be part two. Yes, I believe so. Okay, yeah. So Jessup, go ahead and recount the story of book two. Essentially, again, you have the beginning, middle, and end there. And uh, afterwards, we will decide what your checks look
5: like.
4: So um. Just would start with, <clears throat> I, get, I won't go into too much detail or in-character of it, but just reference him being a ranger, you know, his son, and then traveling uh, from Longshadow to going to visit his old fort, uh, Fort Riston, to try to get him recruited into the rangers, not really knowing much about what had happened with uh, Fandar and the, the Ironfang Legion, but, um, you know, as I was traveling through, trying to reach my old fort, there I was. Me and a couple other rangers that I had met on the way were ambushed by hobgoblins. We were beaten badly, they were slain, and I was left for dead. They believed I was dead, but, uh, I played. Played possum for longer than I can remember. I was getting weak on the verge of just dying. And then suddenly I heard some battling. And there I awoke to see... And he looks over at, uh, Kieran. He goes, Kieran, who's been with me the longest, uh... Frampton, a very shady rogue, and then what turned out to be my nephew, Aiden, from from Fandar. We dispatched the hobgoblins, and uh, we kind of chatted about where we came from, and then that's when I realized what had happened to Fandar, my home, and my father. But anywho, so... I'd let them know that I was on my way traveling to the forts and, and they were going as well because figuring who would be best to fight the hobgoblins but uh, us rangers. So they were originally going to be wanting to go to Fort Nando, but I said, uh, you know, I I, I know Fort Riston; that's where I was from, so we decided to go there. We reached Fort Riston, and we heard a lavish party going on, thinking that maybe the rangers were in there. No, they were some fae. A very odd assortment of different creatures. We had little, like, pixie fays that wanted to duel us with the little sprite rapiers. We had some satyrs that played these maddening songs of fear. We had these redcaps, these drunken hairy buggers all over the place. No rangers to be found except for our good friend. Serio? Serio. There. Yeah, so good I remember his name, obviously. There he was, all one leg of him. He was eaten off. By a dragon that attacked the fort, we were able to rescue him, and we left Fort Riston. Unfortunately, in the hands of the Fey, because there was not much that we could do. Outnumbered at least a hundred to one, so we decided then to go to Fort Nanda to see if we can find any Rangers that maybe had made their way there. So we reached Fort Nanda only to be ambushed by these disease-ridden hounds. They attacked us with their festering bites and putridous breath. But we were able to fell them in addition to, ironically enough, gambling with some trolls and having to fight them. And then there was another troll that wielded spells and wands and crazy thing. We ended up defeating them to go into the vault of Fort Nunda, made by the old rangers from the day that had slain some dragons that were in the Fandar. We were able to recover, after a long fought battle, some artifacts of power some being some dragon bane arrows, which we thought may come in handy, knowing that there was a dragon loose somewhere in the fainter. So we were able to equip ourselves, but again, alas, no rangers. So we decided to make our final walk to Fort Trevale to see if we could find rangers there. We did but not before we were ambushed and attacked by a bunch of hobgoblins that had taken over the fort. Uh, unfortunately, we were outnumbered and outmatched, so we tried our best, uh, but had to make a tactful retreat. Um, at that point, we decided to go back to Mist Home, see if we could get ourselves bolstered back up, healed, and uh, collect our thoughts to go back in for a more strategic entrance. So at that point, we returned back to Travale. We were able to dispatch the other hobgoblins, and sure enough, we were able to find some of the rangers. They were unfortunately uh, famished, um, completely deprived of food, and I think that they were being starved, basically, to be broken, uh, whether to divulge information or just the fact that they wanted to break some of the strongest rangers, you know, in the forest, but we were able to successfully liberate them, but not before we had to go atop of the fort itself to fight a massive black dragon. So we ascended and fought this maddening dragon, must have been just completely absorbed by the blight, Uh, just maddening, jaws broken, just kind of mutilated type of creature that's blasting acid all over. There's other little dragons he was casting just illusion spells it was a hard fought battle. My nephew fell, but not before he was able to strike true and help bring down the dragon. that's kind of all that had happened. We liberated the forts, got the rangers kind of back on their feet, but completely just a shell of what we unfortunately once were. But that's kind of where I will end. This grub is looking fantastic, and I want to get back to it.
0: All right. So you relay all of that information to the Synod, and you can make three checks.
4: What were the check choices again? Sorry.
0: So you can do a praise if you have any physical evidence, a Bluff, a Diplomacy, an Intimidate, an Applicable Knowledge, an Applicable Profession, an Applicable Perform, a Sense Motive, or a Spellcraft if you have an Acquired Magic item. Um, I would say that for your purposes, you could do your Perform and you could do your Diplomacy, because that's kind of what your class feature is supposed to do. So if you have ranks separate in either of those, you could do both. So,
4: Um... So, and then how do I break it up? Just however I want to tell you about...
0: Yeah, you just choose choose how you'd like to roll your checks for those three parts, and uh, we'll roll them.
4: So my appraise is not fantastic, but can I do any knowledge?
0: Any, any applicable knowledge, yeah.
4: So I believe I will do a knowledge arcana for the last... Part when we're at Fort Trivale. Um not that it will help, but I will ask Kieran to let me show off a uh, one of the Black Dragon scales that he uses for his acid breath um, to work. be able to explain about Azariak the Dragon. Um, not that it's part of it, but referencing you know the Blight and what we encountered there. Yep. Um, I believe for Fort Nunder section or uh, Riston, excuse me. Maybe we'll do a bluff, just kind of relish in how many Fey there actually were, and. Um, the trials that we had, because I mean, it was more of we were just kind of crashing a party. We were like the wedding crashers, Right. right with the Owen Wilson. But um,
3: you could bluff and say like how hard the Red Caps were that we fought, even though we, uh, we didn't, didn't actually, actually fight them. Right, fight right. The Red we Cab. could
4: <laughs> we could reference all of that. Yep. Um, and then I guess for Fort Riston, oh, I don't know. What else do I want to do?
0: I could do. You could do standard perform, or like
3: a knowledge local in. Well, he's already doing a
0: knowledge. Oh, I see. But you could do like a perform oratory just as telling the story really well, basically.
4: You know, what I'll do is uh, I'll swap that up. So let me do a knowledge. I'm actually going to do a knowledge engineering for Fort uh, Nunder to talk about all the elaborate traps that we had set up for the vault. And then I'll just switch to a basic oratory just kind of because I feel like it's compassing the blight, the dragon, and all that together. I'll just kind of blend it into one simpler role.
0: And I would say... In terms of aiding another, I don't think anyone except Kieran would have been present Correct. to attempt that. So, Kieran, you can aid on any of these.
4: So I'm doing Bluff, Knowledge Engineering, and then just a straight Oratory. Um, I don't know, you could just call it Diplomacy if we want.
3: I can aid on Bluff, because I don't have Perform Oratory or...
0: Well, Perform's not trained only, so you can still attempt to hit a 10.
3: Yeah, I could try. Can I you aid on more than one check? Yeah, you can aid on any
0: of them.
4: But I could do it as a uh, just a diplomacy check, correct, date, Jason, and just have her aid on diplomacy, and then I would just roll as an oratory.
0: Yeah, because as a bard, your perform counts as a bunch of things, so we could have her, you, like, it could be a diplomacy instead of a perform in all technicalities. Yeah, I, sense. I'm going to
4: roll oratory, but it's just going to be a diplomacy check sir, okay. for the last one. So
0: okay. yeah, you could roll diplomacy to aid on that one. Um, the knowledge engineering, if you have that, you could try it. Uh, and the bl- I think the other one was bluff. you could again, that's not trained only. you could attempt that too,
3: okay, um so let me just look up something real quick.
0: and this
4: is obviously um talking and uh
0: Dwarven because you have that All right, yep, noted.
3: okay, mine my two checks are going to be a plus two higher because of my belt of dwarven kind because I am right. trying yep. to deal with dwarves, okay, oh, I'm sorry, plus four competence to this okay so my bluff is a 10 plus 4 14 <sighs> okay yeah, so well it does aid. yeah <laughs> yeah so and then my diplomacy
0: is a 22 plus 4 26. so both of those will aid and then
4: so i will start with my bluff so this will be at a plus four adding in yep. the speaking dwarven, dwarven speaking the, and yep. with yep. the aid nice so that is a 36 yeah and then I will roll for knowledge engineering. Now, Jason, can I be a dirtbag and do my uh, lore? My nat 20.
0: L- your lore?
4: The bard lore. Uh, the lore master, sorry.
0: I guess technically, yeah.
4: So I will take a 20 on that. So that will be a
0: 34. Bard's, dude. Put them in a social environment. Um, well, and actually, I'm like... sorry, plus,
4: plus two. So it's actually that also is a 36. So it's a 36 for bluff, 36 for my engineering, and then I will roll my oratory, which would be another plus 4, uh, which is a 41. Hopefully these all pass.
0: So rolled a natural 13 on the bluff, a natural 18 on the oratory, and then of course the 20. So again, all good rolls. Yeah, put a dwarf in a social environment, and they're just like, why are you asking me to roll these checks? I just win. Um, yeah, so high 30s for all those. All three of those are going to be wild successes. So yeah, as you describe the story... You do find that in the opening bit there, the dwarves, uh, they find the beginning of your story a little bit bland just because all except for Gorm find it difficult to engage with the concept of exploring a forest, but you do a remarkable job despite that shortcoming, despite that disadvantage of playing up the details enough that you you keep them steady with their concentration there. you You notice they kind of Aren't terribly interested in some aspects, so you immediately pivot away from those and start talking about the other bits, and you draw them right back in. So, uh, you do a remarkable job there. The uh, events, of course, at Fort Riston and the rescue of Sirio regain the attention of Gorm easily, who is particularly enraptured by your tales of adventure. Carburton kind of proclaims himself to be an authority on Fae. So, as you begin maybe um, trying to bluff up some of the events there, he's like you can tell he's trying to like analyze everything you say and like any little bit that you say he's trying to poke a hole in but your role is very your roles are all very good so like he's having a hard time finding any faults with your descriptions uh, despite feeling like he is some authority you seem to uh, to almost like a textbook describe things as they should be and he can't really find too much fault with you there uh, and then of course at the culmination of your story, you have uh, some of the scales of Ibsariak that uh, Kirin has been lugging around with him this whole time. And you have those to kind of give some evidence. And you you talk about the the Blight a little bit. You maybe mentioned that one side corner of the tower that had the, I guess you could call it an altar, uh, with a different dragon's scale. And then you, I think, I don't know if you got... No, you, you after talking to Jane you definitely mentioned, uh, you definitely learned a little bit about Nefexi, I think, at least the name. So maybe you mentioned a little bit about the relationship between the two dragons. Oh,
4: had, had that fey too with the uh, rock grub, the creepy one yep. that yep. kept going invisible. Yeah.
0: So Carburton takes the sample scales and he looks at them. And as you're talking about the blight, he kind of nods and he verifies pretty much everything that you just said to the synod. And, uh, you think that you did a, a very good job maintaining the story there and they don't find any real faults in or, or lose attention in uh, your story at all there. So, good job for section two. We're, we're doing well. We're, uh, we're, we're doing steady. We'll see if section three can handle it.
4: I, I'm gonna, a- at the end, I will ask the court to be like, now, I very much appreciate all that you're doing for us, but our poor friend here, and I'm speaking in Dwarven, he doesn't really have the, what do I say, elegant tongue of the dwarves. If I may, could I allow him to speak in your tongue? That way it might relay the story better.
0: Gorm kind of looks over to, to Carburton and to Thramira, and he says, As long as they are able to verify the spell that you are casting, I don't see any issue with it. So
4: he looks at his buddy Carburton. I'm going to be casting tongues, if I may.
0: He nods, and he just kind of looks at you, and he's, waiting for you to begin the motions to make sure that that is indeed the spell.
4: Bluff, I'm going to use lightning bolt, huh? <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> so, i look at Gideon.
4: Alright, I'm going to help you out here, yeah, buddy. And uh, I will cast tongues on Gideon for Dwarven.
1: Okay. Awesome. And this whole time, since he was excluded from the conversation, I'm assuming it was made known to Gideon what was happening? Absolutely not. So, <laughs> so, so-
0: again, so that's we could easily hand wave that. Maybe you're sitting next to Orin or Kieran and they're maybe whispering translations to you along just to keep you up to date on stuff. That's right. easily done.
1: Which is what I assumed was would have been happening up until tongue's getting cast on him. And all the while then he will have been scratching down notes as quickly as he can, recognizing that he's got a turn coming up.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that will bring us to section three. We'll see if we can uh, stay strong here. So Assault on Long Shadow, the title of book three. This section follows your journey through the Hollow Hills, your many engagements with the Legion prior to reinforcing Longshadow, your battle against the Doppelgangers and the Nightmare Assassins, uh, the short trip you took to the Wizard's Tower, and then the final battle against uh, Kosaruk's army. So take it away, Gideon.
1: Uh, Thank you, Jessa. Uh, Where he left off, I assume... (laughs) It's about when I became aware of the Nirmathi plight. I am Gideon Rose Everstand, a former knight of Ozem, uh, raised in vigil. It was there that Sir Dark, uh, an honored member of the Knights of Ozem, reported these events to us. The news happened to coincide with a personal conversion of faith that I was having to the Everbloom Milani, and so I interpreted the timing as a divine signal. I accepted Nirmathos as my divine charter for protection, and pledged my shield to their cause. I traveled south from Vigil and met a band of refugees, who I planned to escort to Vigil before I encountered Kirin, Jessup, and another party member who's no longer here. I also gravely had learned that the path I had taken into Nirmathos uh, was now held behind enemy lines, and that Long shadow was also in danger. It was the Legion's next target, and it posed a great danger to the nation should Longshadow fall. It would have cut Snirmathi's supply lines, hindered the manufacturing and distribution of weapons, and done the exact opposite, expedited the Legion's advance. So it was of grave importance, and we understood that. Not only the lives of those that lived in Long Shadow, but throughout the country, were in jeopardy. We traveled there, after gathering some supplies and taking the refugees with us in an attempt to explain the danger to the council in Longshadow. At first, they were not receptive, but they came around. And during that time, we personally took efforts to sabotage the Legion. We attacked weapon camps, siege equipment, uh, beasts of burden, and everything else that we could to slow their advance. But unfortunately, our attempts to sabotage were not met alone. We encountered these magical creatures, sort of night-stalkers, that could take on the appearance of anyone else and inflict night terrors. We couldn't even trust the faces in front of us. But as fate would have it, and perhaps through divine intervention, we, we made it through that time. The, the night terrors, the night-stalkers, they, they infiltrated the council, and they had made gaining the cooperation of the council and council difficult. But we found them suppress them, and and snuff them out, thankfully. During that time, we gained uh, and added the important and valuable members to our cause, uh, a wizard uh, of great strength, local leaders, and many everyday folk who who volunteered um, in any way that they could. I personally trained a fast militia of whom I am very proud of their service and the sacrifice. And while after days of preparation, the Legion emerged beyond the horizon and prepared to lay siege. Before the battle, they attempted parley to demand and negotiate the conditions of our surrender. But the people of Nirmathos are strong and would not cave. I have learned this a true Nirmathi would never betray their way of life. And so we held. The battle ensued, ensued, and Long Shadow held.
0: Alright, so go ahead and, uh, what three checks would you like to make? Uh, for this part of the story, Jessup was there and Kieran was there, so both of you could aid on any of those.
1: Um, yeah, so I would like, uh, I can do a flat diplomacy pretty okay, I'm comfortable with that. Alright. A twenty, a thirty-one, because of, I'm speaking Dwarven now, or tongues only lets me understand, I can't remember.
0: No, you speak, Dwarven. Yeah, I think it lets you speak it as
4: well. Yeah, it's unlike, yeah, you can, but you can only do one at a time.
0: Yeah.
4: So, uh, Joseph would uh, auto-aid.
0: All right.
3: Yeah, I can aid with an
0: 18. Okay. So that would bring it to a 35. Okay, there is one check.
4: I think, honestly, Gideon, you would have gotten an additional circumstance bonus if you talked about the time that you were picking berries naked. (laughs) I omitted that part. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Jessup probably chimed in and let everybody know, don't <laughs> worry. Oh,
1: amazing. If, uh, if anyone were to ask for a follow-up, I'd advocate that he could roll religion to just vet and explain the tenets of Milani and that, uh, the strength of his conviction, if that corroborates the story or explains anything, I'd accept that.
0: I... Could allow knowledge religion if you link uh, the tenets of Milani with the various slaves group slave groups that you encountered yeah. and freed. I could I could allow yeah. that.
1: Yeah, he could he could talk about how they liberated a number of slave groups, um. So I, I could do that one.
0: So twenty nine. So yeah,
1: just would
4: uh, auto aid with a twelve,
0: which would bring that to a thirty three. All right, there's two checks. One more.
1: This is his worst one, but he'll go ahead and do... Just perform oratory.
0: Okay. Huh. So my 28.
1: Bad. So for 30 minus AIDS. Just, so just, the, add, just add my to that, buddy. Yeah. 32.
0: 32. So again, the natural rolls are a 12, an 11, and an 18. I don't think anybody has rolled less than an 11 on any of these Oh, I yet. just say
5: something. So,
0: <laughs> <then>. <laughs> so uh, very consistent rolling there. So yes, all three of those will be a success. So... As you describe your rescue and unification of several, several groups of freed slaves, you see that Lady Hikau stirs a bit uh, at the thought of communities rebuilding from disaster, potential markets that open up, and she kind of cringes at the, the mention of all the devastation of the area. As you begin to go into the further exploration of the Hollow Hills, Again, that once that appeals to Gorm's sense of adventure, and he is eager to hear of lands that are so close to his own. And the rallying of Longshadow, the resisting of the Ironfang Legion's assault, earns a reaction from all the members of the Even-Handed Synod, uh, who sympathize with the plight of being besieged. Uh, the details of the Onyx Tower that uh, you might have mentioned at the start of the attack once again drive Carburton into a, a deep contemplation. But you feel that you have accurately conveyed the events of the story, and again, the dwarves are all nodding in agreement, and they they seem to be following you uh, with with utmost attention to what you say.
1: Some details that he would highlight, though, too, are the of how quickly the legion was able to make their campaign advances through regions that would have normally taken longer to travel and just say how difficult that was and how it left him trapped in near mythos essentially at the one point right and further corroborate how quickly they're able to move and the strength of the onyx tower
0: yep so that brings us to section four here um so we're going to break this up a little bit so karen you will be telling the beginning and middle and then there will be a response and then you'll be able to tell the conclusion. So we'll do two checks at first. We're going to break it up a little bit, but section four siege of stone, the current book of iron Fang that we are in this final section depicts the events most relevant to the even-handed synod, which they will scrutinize in great detail. Your battles in the Valley of Alloy, uh, and in the Morlock warrens, the fight with Xanathura's simulacrum and the notes that you found, uh, detailing the journey through the Darklands Highway, the Long Walk, um, and then, of course, your brief time in what uh, you would have later learned is called Kragadan's Furnace, the Lake of Lava down there. The third check will cover your final appeal and uh, petition to the dwarves to gain you know, free, ac- free access to Vault Way in the Royal Archives, perhaps, Um, Maybe free access to the surface if you find a need to go there for your uh, investigation for some reason. And uh, just requesting anything else in terms of being able to investigate and research the truth behind what happened two years ago and the artifact that you are looking for. But that conclusion we will do separately. So just two checks first. But go ahead and uh, begin the story, Kieran.
3: Okay, I have one question before I get into it. All right. What specifically led us to the Valley of Aloy? Is that...
0: So, a couple of things uh, led you to the Valley of Aloy. Most notably was the presence of Morlocks. Okay. But, secondly, when you defeated uh, Kossarok and toppled the tower, a number of maps and uh, and uh, papers went flying that you found, which kind of pointed out a couple of the Legion's army placements, like at Feindar, at Longshadow and whatnot, mm. and you found a a particularly large group at the Valley of Aloy, and pretty much anybody in the Hollow Hills, if you ask them about Morlocks, they'll say, oh yeah, that's the Valley of Aloy, that's where all the Morlocks come from. And you knew that you had to get to Kragadan at some point, and the tower mentioned Kragadan, and basically the Valley of Aloy was the only place that you could go to try to find more information. And it was at that location where you found what you were looking for. But yeah, the the notes that you found after the battle mentioned Xanathura. They mentioned briefly some of that information. So you knew kind of what was over there. You didn't know that like she was a Naga or anything, but you knew that the the Iron Fang had found a way into Kragadan somehow and that the Valley of Aloy was the connecting point you needed to look into.
3: So. Okay. All right. Perfect. So uh, at the end of Gideon's recollection... Kieran will stand. He will give a polite bow and he will say, "Uh, my esteemed council members, I am honored that you've given us the chance to recall our stories for you. Uh, My name is Kieran. I am but a humble former soldier, now adventurer, who comes from the great city of Absalom and met up with the rest of these over the course of many days as I traveled through the Fangwood in search of dragons. As they mentioned, our travels here have been fraught with dangers and the most of which would be the Great Tower that had appeared outside of Long Shadow as Gideon recalled. As we fought with the leader of that invasion at Long Shadow, we did notice on this Great Tower that there were writings, drawings that referenced Kragadan and the quest for Sky. It was the only lead that we had to go on once we toppled the tower. And once the tower fell, we gathered papers from within that led us to the Valley of Aloy and groups of Morlocks that were reported to have been there. We traveled to the Valley of Aloy once Long Shadow had been secured, and indeed there we found bands of Morlocks. We entered the warrens, we killed their chief, who had been operating under the influence of a creature known as the World Serpent, or to some of them, a False Serpent. This, indeed, was a simulacrum that we believe was a simulacrum of Xanathura, one of the generals operating under Azersi in the Iron Fang Legion. From there, we entered the Darklands, knowing that the only way to get to Kragadan was through the Darklands, and In the Darklands, we encountered many dangerous creatures, including Paluta, Duragar, troops with which we had to uh, diplomatize and bargain and pay tolls. We continued on and met up with Atrox and two Naga that we had to fight. We continued on and met up with a creature of which I shudder to recall, some great creature with many limbs or arms or tentacles, and needless to say, I was killed in that battle and thankfully brought back to, to life thanks to our cleric, Orin. From there, we continued on deeper in until we came to Kragadan's Furnace, and from there it's... the rest is kind of history. We found a great door that we were able to bypass, and we met up with the the guards that you had out front. and. They allowed Orin to go in, and he met with uh, the, the esteemed archivist here. I can't remember his name. What's his name?
0: Carburton like
3: Carburton. Good grief. I keep wanting to say, like, I'm playing Dragon Age Origins, and I keep wanting to say Harrowmount because that's what I just did with the oh, door. That's a totally
0: different name. It is
3: very different. I just can't get it out of my head. So he will clear his throat and he'll say, your esteemed archivist, Carburton. And that's kind of where we're at right now, recalling this story for you. We've come a long way. It hasn't been easy. I'll be the first to say I've died twice, maybe three times. It kind of blends together after a while. But we truly are here telling you the truth and begging for your support in this. I know that you are under siege by Molthun right now. And I know that has not been easy but right now there's a greater threat to all of us than the Molthun army. It's the Iron Fang Legion. And I fear for even Kragadan if the Legion takes over Nirmathos and perhaps eventually Molthune as well.
0: Okay, so you'll have two checks to make for this recounting here. Uh, again, you have the same list as, as everyone before. Um, mm-hmm. So, And of course, uh, all of you... Were present for all parts of this, so everyone can aid on these checks at this point.
3: So I guess I will, one check that I want to make, and I would pull out, because we still have this, I would pull out the plus one adamantine construct bane battle axe, which I think came from hobgoblins that were dead in that area with the...
0: No, that was the trox that was dead.
3: Oh, that was the trox. Okay, so I would you pull found that
0: out alongside the scarab in the the corpses of the trox uh, as items that they had stolen from their Dur- their durgar slave masters when they fled.
3: Okay, yeah. So I would pull that out to kind of corroborate my with my story about the durgar patrols and the trox that we encountered. So I guess that would be a spellcraft.
0: Yep, that could be a spellcraft. And yeah, so just keep in mind, you will have one more check after these two. So okay. if you have one in particular to save for the conclusion, you can you can keep that in mind as well. Okay. Yeah, Spellcraft, that'll work. Yep.
3: Okay, so Spellcraft for me is a 20.
0: Okay, plus two because you're dwarven. Or, not <laughs> Yeah, <you're dwarven. laughs> I'm a great so value dwarf. That would make it a, a 22. But yep. yeah, anybody could aid on this one because you were all present for those events. Jessup auto-aids. Ooh, just barely. An ele- an 11. <laughs> Both of you 11. with 11. <laughs> uh, and then Jessup, uh, his his is enough to automatically aid. So that would make it another plus 6. So the total would be 28. Okay. And one more check for now.
3: All right. This, okay. Would you allow me, and this is going to be really dumb, but I think it makes sense. Would you allow me to roll a linguistics check? On what we found on the tower. Was that one of the things Ooh, that we were like able that. to identify that?
0: Uh, yeah, you had to roll uh, you had I think to we roll. We did a history maybe. It was a history. There was knowledge history and there was also linguistics, I think, because you were you had to determine that it was dwarven, but there was also more ancient Terran written on there. So
3: Right. I would allow that, yeah. Okay, and I'll tell you. I only have a two in linguistics. Actually, I don't think I can even use it cause I'm not trained. So never mind. Oh uh, yeah. I didn't think about true. that. I was trying to be, be creative not, and not just do the, the skills that I'm super good at.
4: Uh, do knowledge nobility to name some of the people that were our, or, um, kind of listed on there. Didn't they have the names of different, um, they had names wars? of
0: clans that uh, were alongside Kragadan in the ascent. Yes.
3: So would you call that local or nobility?
0: I would say nobility or history. Uh, I wouldn't say local.
3: Okay. So I can roll a knowledge nobility then. Okay. I was trying to find something that wasn't just like a maxed out, but that makes sense. So knowledge nobility is a 28. 22 to 8.
0: Okay. That will 8. So that brings it to a 32. I can't aid because I don't have a rank in it. Yep. That auto aid. Okay. So that would make it a 34. 34. So the natural rolls on those were a 6 and a 19. So... We had one check that was sub-10, but everybody else, a 19 or... Pretty much everybody rolled 10 or higher on almost all those checks. And both of those will pass. The DC for this one was the highest of all four sections. The DC was 27, so your 28 just did pass that one.
3: I needed everybody's
0: help for that. (laughs) You had the hardest DC out of everybody. So yeah, as as you describe these events... Your description of Xanathar's simulacrum and the discovery of her notes raise visible concern and alarm for all of the members of the Even-Handed Synod. Uh, Carberton in almost, uh, like, exasperated, he kind of questions, like, verbally how she would have learned all of the information that she knew about Kragodan's accidental backdoor. Um, Hikal and Thramira show particular interest in the Dwarven ruins at Aloy, seeing potential for future restoration of the fortress each member of the even-handed citad listens closely to your journey through the darklands carburton takes notes on your route your specific route thramira shows visible distaste at the thought of i don't know if you mentioned having a Duragar guide but at the very least at the mention of any sort of dealing with the Duragar, uh let alone the guide if you did mention that uh, she shows visible distaste at that thought of interaction but makes no other comment Lady Hikal and Gorm both voice opposite opinions on your dealings with the Durgar patrols and how you interacted with them Lady Hikal being more of a commerce minded person and Gorm being more of an adventurer they seem to have different takes on on how those interactions were were held Uh, but overall you see that all four of the members are again attentive nodding None of them seemed to be frowning or, or glaring at you. One thing, however, you did notice, Kieran, is that when you gave your initial introduction, one of the individuals that was standing sentinel over the proceedings walked up to the table and whispered something to Thramira, who kind of squinted a bit, and then that individual walked back to the wall. You have no idea what that was all about. But there was no other mention of that at all. It was just... A strange thing that seems to happen there and uh, after detailing that section of the story Gorm takes a moment to study each of you and then he says very well you have told us your story I admit parts of it are uh, difficult to believe but uh, you have presented ample evidence uh, with that said what would you have the even handed sinner to do and this is at the point, Karen, where you could give a, a, an encompassing conclusion. You can make requests that you would you'd want, such as access to Vault Way, such as access to the Royal Archives for research. If you wanted to ask for further things, like access to the the surface, anything you'd you'd want, you could include in this conclusion. And if you wanted to ask any individual requests from any of the four members here, or as Kraken as a whole, that would all be under this whole conclusion. So, go ahead. I'll and.
1: just say, uh, first and foremost, Gideon's done being babysat. That would be one thing that he would like to have to stop happening.
3: Kieran just asks for 50,000 gold, and that's it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a paltry sum. <laughs> just
3: just 50,000 gold, <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs>
1: I, you almost could leave with that It's like a joke, you know? Like just a hundred yeah. it's just like a joke and like, ah, I'm just kidding. This is what we want. <laughs> yeah,
3: right. Yep. So he would uh after he lets the council or the synod have their reactions to what was going on. I did say in our chat that I purposefully did not mention our Durgar guide, yep. just in case. So I kind of skirted around that a little bit. Um, but he would he would turn to them and he would say, I don't know exactly what was written on that tower. Uh, Jessup and Orin were able to gather more information from that, but I do know it mentioned Kragadan. I know there's some connection with Kragadan, and that's why we're here. We're looking for more information. You've all been extremely hospitable to us. Your city is magnificent and wonderful, and I think I can speak for us all in saying that I've had a great time here. Uh, I've been treated very kindly, but now is the time for us to continue our business. And part of that, I believe, is digging into your archives. I know Gideon has spent some time there. Uh, we also are hoping that perhaps you might grant us access to the Vaultway.
0: With that, you can go ahead and roll your final check.
3: All right. I think that would be a diplomacy, probably.
0: Bluff could do that.
3: Yeah. I was hoping to, like, work in a profession soldier to be cool, but... I don't think I can. I'll just do...
0: You could. Ones. Be like, we
4: need military Oof. access. <laughs>
3: yeah, there you go, Jason. There's my natural three. Plus with yep. my negative level, it's like a natural two. So that's yep. a 12.
0: So 14 because of the uh, speaking dwarven. And then...
3: uh, 16 because 16. of my belt. And, and then 16. 18 because of speaking dwarven. And
0: okay. then I
1: will also auto aid. So it's a I don't even want to aid. That was atrocious. I'm just yeah. kidding.
3: I no, I mean it's not going to hit because if my other DCs were like twenty-eight, this I'm, I can't get there.
4: They, they just tell us no, and that's it.
3: Yeah, right. They're like, if you had only asked for fifty thousand gold, we would have said yes. <laughs> yeah, but- they're
0: like, they're like, you succeeded every single check up to this point, but this was the only one that actually mattered. So no. So yeah, you you give your final conclusion, and you're looking to all of them, and you see that there's still an air of of sternness with them. Gorm kind of crosses his arms and looks to his sister, purses his lips, and then looks back to you. Uh, could the four of you give us time to discuss? We have much to talk about, and I will personally inform you inform you of our decision tomorrow. Uh, is that acceptable?
3: Certainly. Absolutely. Like I said, you've been very kind to us, and while time is of the essence, I do believe that we can wait another day to hear back from you.
0: Very good, then, yes. Um, well, it has been a pleasure talking to all four of you, and uh, the four of us will remain here for a time longer, and we will discuss things and, uh, expect to, uh, well, I guess, um, Carburton, I'll have you uh, meet with them again next morning, and bring them to my office, and, uh, we will discuss our conclusions here. For the rest of today, I think we can at least agree that, uh, the escort is no longer necessary, so feel free to move around within the, uh, the Mountain Hold without escort for the rest of today, and then uh, I will let you know tomorrow morning if we can, uh, expand your privileges to some of the more restricted areas. And he kind of stands up and reaches out to shake each of your hands in turn as, as the meeting concludes, and everybody is prepared to, to leave.
3: All right, Kieran will do a final bow to them before he will turn, and he does the typical like he will curtsy. walk. No, he does curtsy. not
5: curtsy. <laughs> <laughs> I went in his, his sandals. <laughs> he
3: he does the bow and then begins walking backwards and does not turn his back until he's practically at the door. He moonwalks to the door. Yes, he moonwalks with his new sandals. His new new crocs of quick reaction.
4: All right. Jessup (laughs) bows and doesn't realize how long his sake is, and it falls off when it hits the table. Puts it back on and then runs back to it. All All of the dwarves dwarves are like,
2: take off that ridiculous hat. It's absurd.
4: (laughs) It makes me feel taller.
0: We don't even know where we got that. All right. So, with that. Is there anything that your characters would like to do uh, before the next morning?
4: So as soon as we walk out, Jess will look at the crew and, well,
0: I think that that went okay. I guess. Uh, Yeah.
4: Gideon shrugs. We're not dead and we don't need chaperones, so, I mean, win, right?
1: I think it is a win. We'll see what, hopefully, we can learn more tomorrow.
3: I will say it was very interesting hearing you recount about Fandar, Ornn. I don't know if I ever heard it from the beginning like that.
2: It was, uh, Quite a, quite a, uh, ordeal. It
4: was a trying time. Right. It's kind of the story of this campaign, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I have a feeling it's gonna get worse before it gets better.
4: I don't know what you mean. I, it's probably gonna be sunshine and rainbows. Speaking of that, I can't wait to see sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's a bit unnerving. I. I don't know if I could live underground permanently. I miss the sun.
4: I'm really surprised that dwarves are naturally tanned for living in an underground environment.
3: I think it's more because of the forges they work with.
4: Oh, maybe that's true. It's so I'm getting pasty white down here.
3: Well, I've always been pasty white. I can't even not roleplay a character that's not pasty
2: white. <laughs> <laughs> Just a humble person from Absalom who owns slaves. Well, don't do worry that. about, it. Don't <laughs> <care> about <laughs> it. I'm just a humble, Karen's humble, absolute like, Thank, you.
3: Thank you for allowing my <laughs> slaves to speak. Now it is yes. my turn to end <laughs> right. this conversation.
2: Oh, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys spend the rest of the day doing whatever it is that you'd like to do, going out uh, into the city again, this time without a chaperone, maybe getting lost in the back alleys, uh, whatever you'd like.
3: Kieran has purposefully got his hood up and he's crouched down low, just like walking through the back alleys, all sneaky like.
1: We immediately become degenerates and get involved
0: <laughs> in mean, as, as many fights as possible. We are
3: immediately arrested.
0: He <laughs> 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 just brought back to the same room. Are they haven't even finished discussing it? They're just like, seriously?
3: <laughs> They're like, man, this guy looks way too edgy. <laughs> yeah,
0: so the next morning. Carburton meets with each of you and escorts you to your meeting with the prince. Uh, and you are brought... Um, actually, you can tell from Carburton's eyes right away uh, and the lack of energy that um, you don't think he slept at all between the the, the last time that you saw him. And uh, you can tell that he's, he's a little deranged from... <laughs> I'm uh, sorry
4: about that, buddy. You should have asked me. I would have gotten you a good old keep watch before I left the hall.
0: Just, oh, no, it's, it's fine. I, it's, uh, I had a lot to think about, and I was reading all night long. And, um, well, uh, well, we'll talk about it more with, with, with the prince, uh, if you'll follow me. And uh, he kind of ushers you into Gorm's office, and you can see that the prince is standing next to his desk, and he greets you as you enter, and he says, The Synod has decided to accept your story in its entirety. Uh, However, we we still require some physical evidence that Malthoon was framed before we can move forward politically. To that end, we do hereby grant full access to Krakadan. Uh, You may enter Vaultway, you may enter the Royal Archives, and uh, if you so wish, you can go to the surface as well. I would just advise that you stay, Uh, I advise that you don't go too much past Skyhome, that is where we would be within range of siege equipment if uh, if they decided to attack but uh, anyways you are granted full access um and uh carburton will show you the royal archives if you'd like he kind of gives each of you a, a serious look and he says we have decided to as i said believe pretty much everything that you have told us uh, some of your origins perhaps are a bit uh, subject to question still but uh, on behalf of the even-handed senate i would like to request that the four of you personally investigate the Reliquary of Ascension, and uncover proof that the, this Ironfang Legion framed Morthun. Your efforts could lead to a truce, and an end to this siege, but I warn you, the Reliquary may be dangerous. We attempted our own investigation two years ago, uh, but we were repelled by vicious gugs that followed the path of whoever initially broke into the vaultway. Uh, we sealed the creatures into the reliquary and left them to starve, but uh, in the chaos leading up to the siege, we've yet to muster a secondary investigation. And as I said, if you want to go to the Royal Archives to do some preliminary research, uh, you are welcome to. Again his… his expression changes a little bit from seriousness to more of a confident uh, expression. He says, uh, you four have proven yourselves, uh, capable in battle and knowledgeable. I see none more suited to this task, should you be willing to take it. These rings will grant you access to Vaultway, and protect you from any of the dangers within. Even so, make sure that you take every possible precaution. Uh, As I said, you might want to do some preliminary research at the Royal Archives before you delve into Vaultway, but uh, you can speak with Carburton more in detail on that if you'd like. And then he hands each of you a… a ring bearing the sigil of Kragadan. And I actually have a handout here that uh, shows you what the sigil of Kragadan is. And that is what you would be emblazoned on your ring there. And uh, I have revealed the upper map of Kragadan there. You can see this is, uh, if you scroll up, that is the surface where you can see the previously mentioned fist known as the fist. Ooh. Oh,
1: Yeah. Gideon wants to check that
0: out. And you recall that um, the prince mentioned that you probably shouldn't go much past Sky Home should you decide to go to the surface, because you would be within range of siege equipment, uh, which might be problematic. Eh, I'll take my
1: chances. <laughs> What's the GM going to do? Kill me to siege equipment?
0: <laughs> Maybe, who knows. Uh, that will be uh, up to you. And now, of course, you do have access to the Royal Archives. And just in case you were curious, I have... This, this wasn't set up quite like this in the book, but I decided to. Uh, I read up on the research rules, and uh, I have statted out Kragadan's Royal Archives. I have its knowledge points. I have the bonus that it gives any checks. I have the checks you can make. And then I have all the relevant information there. So if you would like to do some research, we can do that. That is more than fine. Or you could go straight into the Reliquary of Ascension. It is however you would like to proceed.
3: Kieran would ask a question. I think
0: Orin
2: would like to do some research. I'm team research.
3: Okay,
0: well, we'll do the question first before we start making teams here.
3: (laughs) Okay, Kieran would (laughs) ask, uh, so what are are the limits to using magic in the city, Uh, particularly dimensional travel? I'm assuming that it's not possible, but is it possible at least within the city?
0: Uh, Prince Gorm looks to Carburton and says, "Uh, If I'm not mistaken, Carburton, uh, these sigils should uh, preclude them from any traps, yes? And Carburton nods. He says, Yes, uh, um, as long as you wear those, uh, even our dimensional traps shouldn't hinder you.
3: Oh, all right. So I can dimension door up to the surface and back down.
0: Uh, If you'd like, we have elevators.
3: Oh, that Um, would actually be kind of fun.
0: Either or, it's up to you.
3: And, and you said not to go past Skyhome for Skyhome,
0: yes, that is the, the walled settlement up there. If you go past that, uh, you'll be within range. Uh, Morthoon hasn't had a, uh, another push in uh, about a month or two here, but we're expecting one here soon, so I would caution about going too frivolously up there. Uh, At any moment, we could be recalling an evacuation, but uh, until then, you're free to look around.
3: Are you able to see the Molthini army from there?
0: Oh, of course, yes. They, their tents cover probably a fair, fair distance into the plains after uh, outside of the honor wall. Yes, you can see them very easily.
3: All right, Kieran will turn to Gideon. He'll say, Gideon, I don't know. It might be interesting to see. If you're interested, I wouldn't mind going up there. Uh, no,
1: I, I wouldn't mind taking a look. I'm also interested in the, the, um, the fist that was mentioned. I'd like to see it up close.
3: Yeah, so Kieran will probably spend some time just exploring the surface. I don't know if he's that interested in the research, but he he
2: would help if they wanted his help. Orrin will immediately begin research.
4: So, can it, wh- why are we going up to do sightseeing now? Just because
3: it's not every day that you get to be part of a sky citadel and to see the things up there. I don't. I don't know.
0: I would actually disagree with that. It's pretty much every day.
3: Well, for you, yes, but not for us. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. Where our paths are going to take us from here, but we may never get the chance to come back.
4: I guess I really would prefer to do some uh, research or investigating as soon as possible because I feel times of the essence. But uh, I've
2: seen it in times of the essence, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do some research. And that's
3: fine. I'm not saying you can't. That's not like I'm going to spend days doing this.
1: G- Gideon, we'll look to Jessup. But rest assured, Jessup, there's certainly intel to gain here as well. We've only survived one siege. Hopefully, the gods will not allow us another. But should that come to pass, seeing what they do here could could help us in the future.
3: And when you say research, you mean going to the archives?
0: Yes. So the the rules for research are. Basically, you can make a research check, which encompasses eight hours of research. So basically, it's a a daily thing. Like, you can spend a day researching, and you roll a check, and depending on what you roll, you basically do damage to the library's knowledge pool. And as you do a certain amount of damage to the library's knowledge pool, you gain bits of information.
3: Okay. And Karen will say, honestly, if time's of the essence, then we really should just go straight down into the reliquary, right?
4: You know, I guess I'm just itching to get to it. I guess if time was of the essence, I shouldn't have, uh, you know, petitioned somebody to work on my boat for six days. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go up and look too. Why not? In hindsight, you're right. You're right.
1: Gideon glances a look at Kieran because he knew that they all did that. and <laughs> just kind of was like, all right, let's go.
3: <laughs> Kieran's going to shrug and say, I... I'm prepared to go into a fight without my glaive. I'd rather not, but if time is truly of the essence, I have other means to defend myself if we aren't able to wait.
2: No, I think I think we can wait. I'd actually, I'm, I'm still going to do some research. I'd like to look into the, the, the stone towers and whatnot, see if we can learn anything more there.
4: Well, it's the morning, right? So, I mean, I guess in theory we have time to go check out the... Uh see the sun, and then come back down and do eight hours of research, right? Mechanically eight hours of research. I don't, I don't know what that means, but it just feels right.
3: Okay, alright. <laughs> Kieran, like, a drop of sweat, like, goes down the side of his face. Eight hours. Did you mean to say eight mm. hours?
4: I did. I mean, if we push it long enough, maybe like 14 yeah. or something, I suppose.
1: It'll, it'll probably take that long, Kieran. I mean,
4: the whole, oh, that's just one day. I mean, it could be multiple
0: days. But, but no 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 let's
4: let's go upstairs let's yeah we can Robert go upstairs. chimes in. And
0: he says, "Yes, actually, um, I didn't sleep at all last night, and uh, I still am yet to find anything terribly useful. The royal archives are vast. We we might be there a while."
1: I'm sure they rival or even more than the archives in Vigil, and um, there there were new uh, members of the o- Knights of Osm that would just spend their times studying there. For weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Yes,
0: I, I don't mean to brag, but the history of Kragadan does greatly outdate the history of, of the Ozum.
1: I'm sure Vigil is newly created, um, and since then, obviously, they've made efforts to archive its history, but even the process of writing takes long, so too does it take long to rec- recover those writings. Indeed.
3: As you guys are talking, Kieran is like slow nodding with an extremely pained
0: look on his face. Just slowly nodding. Real quick, and I apologize, I totally forgot to do this before. I have images for each of the members of the Synod that you would have encountered there. And I totally forgot to show them to you. So- I
4: thought he was going to tell us we hit level 13. That would have been cool. That would have been really... Been, <laughs>
1: I, <laughs> I
4: would really like that.
0: He's yeah. like, you
3: really need to be level 13 to do this research.
0: So, Thramira, Great Hammer, this is what she looks like.
3: Oh, wow. She okay. does not have a beard at all. Oh, my
0: nope. goodness. And, of <laughs> course, uh, you already saw... Burn light brand,
2: yeah. I was gonna say, I prefer his cartoon version better. Yeah,
0: I think that one's better myself, but uh, this is the, the bust version, like his mohawk, though. This is Hikal Balatum, big bottom. She looks
1: no. sassy, Balatum. <laughs> she she, she definitely's got an attitude.
0: She She's worked too long in a diner
4: for sure. She's the aristocrat,
0: <laughs> yes. She is the uh, merchant type, yeah. That's the aristocrat, how close
4: to the Sarah look, though. Oh, <laughs> How dare
2: you? <laughs> How dare you? Jason can test it
0: He's making the face right now. How dare you? feel it. Can I just can like feel, feel it. And of course, uh, Gorm Greathammer looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> Mustache What happened to his beard? <laughs> That's all he can grow? Who knows? Hmm. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It doesn't say.
3: He's got like a frat boy haircut. I feel like he has no top lip. Yeah, like he has <laughs> a it's top been eaten lip. by his mustache.
1: It looks like a uh, the worst kind of mullet.
4: <laughs> <laughs> hey, be quiet, because I'm sure that like we have a couple listeners that have mullets, and they're going to be offended. Now. I said the worst
0: kind. Did not imply that all mullets are bad. Good. Okay.
4: <laughs> Just make sure we clear the air on that. Yeah.
0: All right. So what is the uh, immediate plan for the party then?
4: I think by the sounds of Kieran wants to immediately get down there and start doing some research.
0: That's what I heard. He is in
3: no way impeding what you guys do. He is going to go to the surface, but he he does not mind going alone.
1: No, Gideon's going to go to the surface. He was being uh, a bit genuine, despite the sky citadel. Being amazingly defensible just because of his location. he is curious what the daily routine looks like for a city under constant siege. So he wants to go to the Fist and obviously they told him not to go past Skyhome, but he might tempt that depending on how much oh, information gosh. he can glean
2: from where he is. Immediately disregarded there. <laughs> <There's->
1: <laughs>
0: he just walks right out of the honor wall and goes up to the commander of Molten who's is like, hey man, how, how's it going?
1: He could parlay. It's fine.
0: <laughs> hey, I, oh, I, I don't. Okay. I, don't live, I, I don't live
1: here. I don't know these people. I don't really know exactly what's going on or why you're doing this. But that's the worst stop, kind of right? negotiator.
3: That is the worst kind of negotiator. It's like I have no idea what the dispute is here, but y'all just get along,
1: right? Like
4: that's what I'm saying. Where's <laughs> the Jessup's negotiation skills?
0: Yeah, up <laughs> there. All right. So was the consensus, again, and again, there, there'd be enough time if you wanted to go up to the surface to then go down and research. But So who all wanted to go to the the, the surface here quick? We can do that, and then we can cycle back to the research.
3: Kieran's going.
0: Gideon.
4: Jessup will, but he'll tell Oren. As soon as we're done, I'll be right back, and I'll help you all tackle the books.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Enjoy yourselves. And in all honesty, it makes perfect sense, because Arne used to live here, so it's not like he's fast. He doesn't want to go see his like
3: his pseudo-dad.
0: He sent a letter to him.
3: Oh, okay, but you don't want to
2: see him? I don't think so.
4: That's a topic for another day. Can I get a sense motive on that? <laughs> <laughs> 23. Jessup just has flashbacks of uh, how much Rizarin loves and wants to see Jessup prior to their heart. <laughs> heart. <laughs> so it doesn't him. <laughs> <appease them.
2: laughs> Jessup's like, nope, I get it. I get it. Are you trying not wear pants?
4: Like, I haven't seen yeah, I have seen my estranged son in how many uh, years or months, and then he walks into then two dudes sleeping with no pants on in that living room. So <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so uh, at any point we could um, include uh, Justin if if you wanted Oren to go up to see his father or uh, if your letter had detailed interest in having your father come down to meet you at any point we can, we can uh, role play that out if you so wish, but uh, just let me know when, when you'd like to do that, if you'd like to do that and we can do that. But uh, for the time being, uh, the three of you who go up to the surface, you make your way out of uh, the office with the prince and all the way down to the lifts. And, uh, You show the sigil of Kragadan, and the guards allow you onto the lift. And you can see they are these great uh, feats of engineering, massive iron plates that are lifted up by these huge gears. Uh, It's a pretty slow elevator because it is extremely heavy, but uh, it does eventually get up several hundred feet, and you are given access to the surface. And you can see this massive monument, The Fist, right in front of you. And again, this whole upper portion is in a sort of tiered mountain. So you can see from the top all the way down to each of the lower sections because they are uh, much far below you. And if you look out into the distance, you can see they're like little, like the tents are like ants. You can't even barely really see people in the distance because, again, the distance here, if you were standing at the edge, you'd be looking about Two plus miles away. So you can see the entire siege camp, but it is very, very far away. You can't make any details from how far away you are, but yeah, you're able to look around and um I would say if you do go to the fist and just kind of start looking around and and, and whatnot, you would maybe a guard would come up and kind of ask your business and you would relay, you know, show them the, the sigil and relay what you're doing and The guard would go into the fortress that is on one of the rings there, Uh, one of the rings, one of the fingers, that acts like a ring, kind of, and uh, out would come uh, another individual, and I'll actually show you what this individual looks like, the commander that you had heard mention of, Renzo, who looks to be a person almost made of metal. Like their skin is like, and hair and eyes are like gemstones. And they're wearing full plate and everything. And uh, you those of you with any sort of knowledge of planes or whatnot, you can tell that this is, in fact, an Oread. So it is a, a an earth planer, a, a person touched by the earth plane, in a sense, or having ancestors with the earth plane. But yeah, the skin and uh, eyes and hair of stone and gems. And this individual comes out and, and looks to you and says, Greetings, I wasn't informed that we would have visitors, but I can see from your rings that you've been granted access up here. Uh, Is there anything in particular that I can help you with?
3: Not in particular. We're just new to Kragadan, and we've spent the past few days down in the main city. And once we were granted access, I think we were just curious to see what life on the surface was like for those in Kragadan, plus uh, this fellow here, Gideon and myself, I'm Kieran. Uh, we are former soldiers, and we were curious to see the details of the siege that you're currently under.
0: Ah, yes. Well, as you can see, if you look out in the distance, Morthun has spared no effort in their army. They uh, Their numbers are quite large, but they have yet to make it more than I would say halfway between Skyhome and the Fist here. Our armaments have pushed them back each time, and I I sympathize with General Cadmius. He has been given orders that are very hard to fulfill, and it makes uh, my job as defender extremely advantageous, more so than normal. I imagine someday we will have to retreat into the mountain hold if this siege continues, but for now... Uh, It is sort of a stalemate, and I enjoy the back and forth. It's like a game of cat and mouse.
1: Well, I have uh, two questions to follow, if you don't mind. Uh, You uh, you said that you sympathize with him. Do you you not hate your enemy?
0: Uh, No, I don't think that I hate the enemy. As a fellow commander, I can understand having to follow orders that were given from above. Uh, If there's anyone that I would hate, it would be the upper echelon of Morthoon for making the decision to employ the army, but I I sympathize with the soldiers. It is not their choice to be here, or it might not be their choice. I'm sure some of them would like to be here, but I think the general, he has been given a bad spot, and uh, he's doing the best that he can, and uh, he hasn't done anything that would draw my ire. Uh, Of course, his orders are to maintain the scenery as much as possible, so... Their siege equipment has been rather sparse, and they have treated all of our citizens with respect. We've had time to evacuate every time they've made a siege, so... So no, I, I don't think that I hate my enemies.
1: So it's only the soldiers, then, that are doing the bulk of the fighting? Men who have agreed to it in one way or another?
0: Uh, you mean on the Molthuni side? Yes. Uh, that I don't know. I think it's mostly soldiers. I haven't seen any... any uh, a vast majority of, of mercenary regiments or anything, but... Uh,
1: they allow your citizens to evacuate though too, you said?
0: Yes, well I, that might be part of my own misunderstanding. Uh, every time that they attack their progress is so slow that we have enough time to evacuate and I, I don't know if that is intentional or if uh, our defenses are simply too much for them. Uh, mm. Perhaps I'm giving them more credit. But. Um, and what and, do you
1: know his orders to be?
0: Oh, it just... Uh, He's, he's been told not to deface any of the Dwarven architecture as much as possible, so he has been unable to, uh, levy sustained assaults against our walls and simply demolish everything in sight. I'm sure that would be the most advantageous means of a siege here, but he has been, uh, prevented from that. So, it has made our job rather easy.
1: Well, I guess he'll just, doesn't need to role play out, but he'll talk politics involving Teldas and others. I guess his perspective is interesting to him, to to Gideon, since he says he doesn't really hold any resentment towards the soldiers, not even towards some of the generals or seeming lower level uh, ranking officers and stuff. It just seems to be the the upper echelons, the the council and other people in business of power that he has issues with. And I just think that's interesting. So he just kind of like further explores why he thinks that, what he means by that and that sort of thing.
0: And as you talk to him about politics and whatnot, you can tell that he has almost a a respect for General Cadmius Ortho, uh, the Molthuni general. Um, it seems that he almost views this siege as a game of chess between commanders. And Ortho hasn't, he hasn't committed any war crimes or atrocities he, it seems almost that the army of Molthune has taken measure to prevent innocent blood being spilled, which has actually further inhibited their siege uh, advancements. So Renzo seems to have kind of a respectful, distant relationship with Cadmius, which kind of paints maybe a different light to the siege than you might have expected to hear.
1: Yes, I think so. Or at least um, Gideon's perception of Molthune as having really only heard one side for a long while.
0: Right, so, yeah, that's what he tells you, and he, he, he continues with the conversation as much as, as you'd like.
1: Follow-up information is, like, what's his personal involvement or relation to the Sky Citadel? He doesn't want to directly talk about it, but he will ask, like, you're an orrid, not a dwarf, what's what's the story there kind of thing.
0: So, yes, I I was born here as well. It is, uh, I'm I'm uncommon amongst the citizens at Kragodan, I think... I haven't ever counted to see how many are are like myself, but if I had to guess, there'd be maybe, uh, I don't know, two dozen or so other Oriads in Kragadan. I've seen a couple, and uh, we do talk now and then, but I guess we're a bit of a rarity. But uh, yes, I was born and raised here just like any of the dwarves, and I consider myself just as much a a son of Kragadan as any of the others. And uh, I I think that I have earned my position and proven myself to be just as devout as the others.
1: Well, certainly you have. I suppose my my final question, in the day-to-day, what, what is the cost in life for this ongoing siege?
0: Uh, well, to be honest, the cost is mostly at the expense of the Molthuni. As I said, they have taken great pains to avoid innocent blood being spilled, and every time that they have made an advance, we have fallen back to our defensive structures, our, our towers, and then simply bombarded them. Again, that is why I say I, I do sympathize with them. I, I feel that they are following orders, and the loss of life is... Uh, the blame falls solely on the leaders of Malthorn. Uh If I had... If I were perhaps a better commander, perhaps I could uh, force them back without having to shed the blood of the soldiers who I, I imagine they didn't ask to be here, but... Kragadan has taken very few losses, uh in terms of citizens. There is occasionally times where, uh, some stubborn individuals refuse to leave their homes and are caught in the crossfire, but I don't think that, that any such loss of life has been intentional. It is, it's simply a, a consequence of the poor circumstances we all find ourselves in.
1: Well, Gideon looks out then, and, uh, how do you think then, uh, that? They're able to maintain morale, or or why keep doing it? Surely Malthun is far away and Teldas is not here to see what the front lines look like.
0: Well, I I think that that, uh, there might be a couple of different things that could be attributing to that. One, I'm not sure if their morale is terribly good to begin with. It's enough to maintain order, perhaps, but I think that is probably mostly due to uh, the general's competence in his position. I think he is very good at what he does, and he has been able to maintain this siege for quite some time without uh, a great break in his ranks. I think that speaks much to his ability to lead. But I think also, perhaps, and I don't know this for sure, but I think they might be under some false pretexts. I don't know all of what has been told to them, but perhaps they have been led to believe that Krakodan slighted Molthun, and thus they have... Pride and honor in defending their own homeland. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's a multitude of factors, but who knows? Those are my thoughts, at least.
1: So you think that they might, um, they might believe different things that are not it's necessarily true. A theory,
0: merely a theory. Um, I, I have simply thought for these past th- two years trying to figure out why they would go to such lengths as this, and I think one of the, one of the only justifications that I have been able to think of myself is perhaps that they have been told something different. It's not unheard of for the foot soldiers in an army to be told one thing while the leaders know another.
1: Gideon nods a a knowing nod. Yes, I'm aware. The Knights of Ozum, of which I was once part of their order, um, morale was often high, but that's because very many of them believed very, very close to their hearts that they were doing great good for not just Vigil, but all of the Inner Sea. They are defending against a great evil and that Iomedae had truly blessed each and every one of them.
0: Ah, a a fellow knight, then. I imagine you could easily sympathize with them, perhaps. I think that the people of Malthun are a very honorable type. They put great value in their family, in their honor, in their pride as a nation. And, of course, they have their faults, but every nation has their faults. I think perhaps that um, their pride has simply been turned against them in a way, maybe.
1: I'm aware how that can happen. I must say, it's uh, truly an honor to be able to talk uh, with you as such a high-ranking officer here, and and what it is you do. Who is it that you answer to?
0: Uh, I answer directly to the Even-Handed Synod.
1: Oh, well then all the more am I honored by your presence and your company. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, it is an honor to meet with you as well, and... I will say that uh, for as long as you stay here, I will do my best to continue the defense of the upper portions, so you may rest assured that Kragadan is a safe place for you to stay for the time being.
1: Gideon will give him a salute. He
0: returns it. Turns
3: out that the salute of the Knights of Ozum is actually a very offensive
0: gesture to the dwarves of Kraken. Yeah, the dwarves see that salute as like the Nazi salute. And they're like, oh my gosh. I he can't draws
3: believe- his yeah. sword and immediately rushes at Gideon.
0: I have misjudged you, sir. <laughs> uh, man. Y'all beating me
1: up in chat.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's all that he would uh, tell you. And he would, uh, Respectfully bow and then return to his duties in the fortress, uh, overseeing the defense. Uh, anything else on the surface that you wanted to look into?
1: The fist is that where we were having that conversation. Yeah, you
0: were just in the you were. Uh, so he came out of one of these fortresses here gotcha. um, to meet with you. Um, the fist is uh, other than the fortresses that are built around it. It is just a, an open monument. You could walk around it again hey. for measurements. It would be like huge. It's a big, like, yeah. it's more than half a mile wide, almost half a mile the other direction, too. It's, so walking around it would be like a, let me see, it'd be like two miles just walking around the thing. It's huge. And, uh, yeah, you could continue kind of touring the upper area.
1: <laughs> Sarah, I, I also want to roleplay Gideon going to the Malthune camp, and I happen to have a cloak of human guys,
0: and never in my life have I been more tempted. No, please, no. <laughs> I would say that in all likelihood, you would not be granted access through the
2: honor wall. Oh, I, well,
1: I recognize. I recognize. I'm not I actually. Don't think that... They would open the front gate during a siege. <laughs>
2: no.
3: That's why Kieran asked about dimensional travel.
5: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> dimension travel is here that walk in from the side <laughs> as part of a, a traveling
0: caravan. Yeah, dimension door into the camp so that they can steal the rings that allow them to dimension door into the <laughs> town. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. What's
3: the worst that could happen?
1: No, no, no part of it is reality, right? But in a, in a fictional uh, what if, it would be very fun to just walk around the Malthuni camp and interview him. <laughs>
0: So, anything else at the surface you'd like to do before uh, going into research? I don't think so.
3: I think Kieran just wanted to see it and experience it, and I think he wants to come back up here at night to see what it's like at night.
1: Gideon um, is somewhat interested on the temperament of people that decide to make business down where they're technically at risk of getting hurt. I mean, there's plenty of room elsewhere. Somebody's
0: allowed in... um area, well, they're allowed, but there are exceedingly few people who actually choose to stay in, like, the path market or the dirt. Nobody is in the dirt market, because that's outside the walls. But there's exceedingly few people. It's like a ghost town, the whole path market. And um,
1: there's no longer anyone outside. Like, the siege lines are all the way up to the wall. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, there's there's nobody out there. Uh, uh, the siege lines wouldn't be right up to the wall, because they would be under fire from the defenders, but, uh, they have a healthy distance from the wall. but yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, you could go into Sky Home and you can see that there are definitely markets there. It's very slow, very quiet. The surface area, most of their trade is external. So they would be trading from outside nations. So the siege has caused the, the, mark, the peak market in the Sky Home area to be pretty dead. There's not a whole lot of trade going on compared to the inner area, but their Their lives are being pretty much subsidized by the government uh, during the siege. So,
1: oh, so they get paid to be here, like Alaska.
0: Well, they're, it's not like their their living expenses are covered, basically. Yes, gotcha. Just all starve to death and die because they can't do business.
1: Because they they do currently run caravans outside.
0: No, that's why it's so dead up here. So they, they haven't had any
1: external yeah. trade. So that's throughout. why
0: they've had to rely on um, those those other benefits to kind of keep their livelihoods. And if he just
1: talks to a couple of random shopkeeps, you know, making small talk and buying a gold item worth or two so that they don't get mad at him um, for his time, uh, What's what's the general sentiment of citizens that decide to stay here versus go someplace more safe do they trust these inner walls here at sky home do they trust their
0: commander you get the sense that they they definitely trust their commander there uh renso is spoken of like he can't be spoken of highly enough but uh, you do think that you get the sense that there's a very strong just natural stubbornness to it is,
1: yeah it just can't be stopped a lot of
0: them when you talk to them and maybe you talk about how, like, Molthune has taken over Skyhome in the past and then had to be, had to retreat, and then they have retaken their homes. They kind of look at it as, like, a, a screw you thing, where it's just, like, every time they retake their home, it's like a sly grin, like, ha-ha, we you, Like, we're back.
1: We'll, we'll take it harder.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, there there seems to be almost, like, a, just, like, a stubborn obstinacy, like a... As if you thought you could do that type of a thing. So the
1: inconvenience of occasionally having to relocate as opposed to relocating once, they rather deal with it and just stay here.
0: I would say it's equal parts grumbling and equal parts pride. Pride. (laughs) There's a big mix of that. Like there's they definitely feel the inconvenience and they definitely dislike the siege because they've been most affected by it. But they also are just like, who cares? Screw you guys. We're not we're not going to we're going to stop can't stop us so that's kind of what you're looking at there so with that we could go to the the research this would be the first day that you would be able to do your research if you wanted to you could all meet up at the royal archives and carburton would show you the sections that would be most relevant to what you're looking into so again to reiterate the uh the research rules basically each of you individually can make a a research check and there are a number of different potential skills that you could use to make a research check. There is a set DC for this library, the Royal Archives, but because the Royal Archives is such an extensive collection, it actually gives you a bonus on any of your checks. So, number one, you have to be able to speak Dwarven, um, because almost all of the texts are written in Dwarven. So you have to be able to speak or read it, uh, well, primarily read it. So you could expend spells, and as long as you could cover an eight-hour period where you would be able to read it, you're good. So that's the one requirement. You have to be able to read Dwarven. Two, the research checks that you can make are Knowledge Arcana, Engineering, History, or Planes. Those are the four Knowledge Checks that you can attempt as Research Checks, and The archives give you a plus four bonus on any of your knowledge checks just because they are so extensive with their knowledge and lore. And um, once you make your checks, I'll ask you questions about your ranks and all that stuff. Depending on the number of ranks you have in any of those skills determines the amount of damage you do to the library's knowledge points. If you have no ranks, or less than five ranks I should say, you do 1d4 plus your intelligence modifier. If you have 5 to 9 ranks, you do 1d8, and if you have 10 or more, you'd have 1d12, plus your intelligence modifier. The, I have the knowledge points for the library here, and every time you hit a threshold, which is usually like a quarter, so like if it had 40 hit points, then once you hit 30, you'd get something. At 20, at 10, at 0, you'd get a additional bit of information, and once you've exhausted all of its knowledge points, that's all the information you learn. So... With that, you can each roll a uh, a research check from one of those four, or aid whatever you want.
3: I will roll my own knowledge arcana.
0: I will roll my own knowledge
2: history. I will aid a knowledge history. Who's got some
4: good ranks? Yeah, eighteen. I have I've got six. twelve
3: ranks in knowledge arcana. So. One
4: one rank, six total. Okay, six, I'm going eight. to try to aid Kieran.
3: Well, the only thing is I don't have an intelligence modifier, so that's where I'm going to trip up, but...
4: Okay, I literally have an intelligence modifier of zero, and I have three or less ranks in all knowledges, so I'm rolling a d4, or (laughs) I'm going to help somebody get a d12, so...
3: Okay, I'll roll my knowledge arcana, which has 12 ranks.
4: I'm going to try to help Kieran, so I auto-aid.
3: Oh nuts! Oh, what? I should have just rolled. I, I rolled a natural one.
4: Wow, <laughs> Dark
3: uh, <laughs> Oh, that's so sad. But I get a plus you're,
0: four.
4: You're thinking about how he saw the right? sky and the clouds and yep. rainbows. She's happy?
0: Uh, you get a plus four, but unfortunately, uh, none of you are able to do anything. Uh, basically, you're you're looking through the royal archives, and again, this is a vast collection of lore and knowledge. You're going through. You're looking at books. And you're like, oh, this title might work. You're looking through it and it's just like a general history. And it's like, ah, oh, this isn't what we need, to put it back. And it's you you spend that day researching, but you don't find uh much information.
1: That Higher than DC twenty four, you're saying. Yep.
0: Yeah. Kieran is gonna
3: spend like two hours and then he gets super bored and just he'll still try, but he just he <laughs> it. To, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's,
1: yeah. Here, read this, please, Kieran. It's like a yeah. fine so that oh, one check
2: is our eight
0: hours of research for that day. You can redo this as many, Oof. you can, you can do this as often as you want, at want daily. Like, so yeah. I
2: guess that's the question. How long do we have before people's gear is done? Like my shield should be done in like three days.
0: So if you all placed your orders on the first day that you were able to, it has been four days since then. And I think the longest period of time of commission was 12.
1: 12? Ugh. Somebody t- commissioned a 12 hour thing? Yeah, you you did. Not you, Josh. You literally <laughs> even said 12
4: <laughs> yeah, days. You said 12
3: <laughs> days at the beginning of this session.
4: That's why I was mocking you because you were like, oh, I was contemplating even doing a 10 day right. one. And you immediately like, 12 right. days?
2: Oh, that's
5: right. Listen uh, to uh, the
2: outrage in his voice at first, I know. And you to realize that it is what? him. Moron! <laughs> <laughs> really inconsiderate guys. Really inconsiderate.
1: It was it was the shield, the shield, because it's a thousand per day is all you can do.
3: Yeah, yeah. My my stuff takes six days. Yeah,
4: so. feels like a dingus now, don't they?
0: If you guys wanted to wait till your stuff was done, then you could make a series of, of checks. You have a number of days available to you. Well,
4: so we can do um, eight hours of this. I mean, in theory, because we have the whole day, could we just spend, maybe not today, but eight hours tomorrow doing the research and then spending a little time doing some investigation as well?
0: Yeah, if you want to go in, that's fine. It's just up to how much information you want before you go in, That's that's all.
4: Oh, so we can't? So as soon as we go to investigate, then that's it?
0: Well, you don't know. You might be able to come back out. You might, there might be something in there that you get stuck with. It, like, you don't know. It, nobody's been in there for two years. So you just don't know what you're walking into. That's the only thing.
3: Yeah. And if I know anything about adventure paths, it's, that's kind of where we're going to finish out the book, probably. They're all
4: mimics. It's all mimics in the real Yeah.
2: Nothing but mimics.
3: Yeah. So, so I guess whatever we'll continue you
0: do. to do
4: research then, I suppose.
0: Yeah. So we can go the next day. If you'd like.
2: Uh, yeah.
4: Oh, boy.
0: Oh, Wow.
3: (laughs) a nine.
1: (laughs) Wow. I mean, mean, I'm going to eight again, but there's no point. Oh, my gosh.
3: So at 11 for Orin plus four, 15. Okay, here we go. Knowledge Arcana. Seventeen. Oh,
0: that's, geez, another, not do it. Three. <laughs> that's not gonna
3: do it. He is still not feeling it. Oh, oh my,
5: my gosh, goodness. these
0: are best hope. knowledge checks are the weak point of this party. <laughs> and it's, it's gotta be one of those four knowledges, right? Yeah, it's gotta be one of those four.
3: Oh dear. It's going to take us all 12 days just to roll above a 3.
0: So just so you know, you can take 20 on these. They are knowledge checks. Um,
3: what? Don't forget that. What?
0: No, Jessup can.
3: Oh, Jessup oh.
0: can. I mean, I, I know I can, but in theory,
4: I just took it as like, I'm doing one check versus that's taking a 20 for 8 hours.
0: No, but I mean, as a bard, you can, you can take 20 on a knowledge check. Oh, not
4: my lore master. Okay, well, after today, I'm probably going to start doing that because this is not going anywhere. So Jessup's going to get some coffee and buckle down.
0: So again, the second day... Alright, Jessup's (laughs) taking a freaking 20 for my 1d4, boys! Yeah. So on the third day of research, you can go again.
4: So Jessup's taking his 20 to make it a 44, Engineering. Can he roll Religion? I thought that was not available.
2: Oh, is Religion not one of them? Arcana, Engineering, Oh, you're you're correct, correct. sorry. Okay, so a 20... What was that? 30?
0: 30.
3: Alright, I got a 30 with or 32 with the library,
0: all right. So Jessup got a 40 something, Oren with Gideon's aid managed to get a what did you say? 30 30. 30, and then Kieran on his own managed to get a 32. This time, you all succeeded. Yay! <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes, so does anybody have five or more ranks in their respective check? I do, yes. Okay, so I heard, so Oren has five or more ranks in in history? Yes. Does anybody have ten or more ranks?
3: Yes. No.
0: Okay, so Kieran, you will be rolling 1d12 plus your intelligence. Oren, you will be rolling 1d8 plus your intelligence. Jessup, you will be rolling 1d4 plus your intelligence.
3: All right, 1d12 plus plus four.
4: Four.
0: 1d8 plus plus zero.
4: Do we all have intelligence? Is it a- oh, oh so- no. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, Joseph. Joseph's a one d four plus zero. Oh. <laughs>
3: okay, you I got, got a the four. same thing as my d twelve, which is garbage.
0: Okay, so you all made you feel good progress today. You haven't hit the next threshold. You're very close. Um, so I, I won't be reading you the paragraph of information that I have, but you do make progress. You start reading through the books and you feel like you're getting closer to the section that has the information you're looking for. But we will have to go to the very next day before. So, <laughs> Goodness. Day so four at this point,
3: research. I probably have my glaive and my commissioned item, I think, right?
0: Uh, this would be the seventh total day, I think.
3: Oh, OK. So I don't have my commissioned item yet. I think that yeah, was eight you were days. Here for
0: three days before the meeting. Yeah. And then it's been four days after, so seven days.
3: But my glaive is now a plus two.
0: Assuming that the cost was only 6000 Yes.
3: Yes, it was. Yes,
4: so Jessica gets his boo as well.
0: All right. <laughs> All right, now we just have to wait for
2: Gideon. Sorry, stuff. I'm this very sorry. I apologize.
4: Well, we're not really making headway on the knowledge check, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is fine.
2: <laughs> All right, well, that's no, no, another day I can't help.
3: Oh, ten. ten. Okay, mine is a Another natural, Another natural one, one. Oh Just goodness.
2: Take it a twenty.
0: Okay. Just, just what just people
3: a... listen to our, our sessions for,
0: Jessup. You can roll your one d four again. Ha! Three. three. All right, and with that, you do hit your first knowledge threshold. Yay, Jessup! So, what you learn at the first breakthrough is the deepest levels of Kragadan were a bustling city street in Krag... in the Sky Citadel's earliest years. But after a disaster struck and elemental horrors rampaged through the community, the founding clans rebuilt the wreckage into what is now known as Vault Way. Much of the relevant information is missing, lost in the chaos following the Shining Crusade and the Rending, despite Kragadan's distance from the Five Kings Mountains. Because of this, modern scholars and historians still debate the exact contents of the Reliquary of Ascension, Today, Vaultway is is rarely visited, except by bankers and funerary processions. But the adamantine-lined doors of the Reliquary of Ascension remain a key fixture in the lowest level. So that is the surface information that you learn at this threshold. You will have to dig deeper for the more specific information. Hmm. I bet
2: the adamantine doors puts them at bay. Puts the creatures in there at bay. So we should probably have some of those weapons.
3: You can't make an existing weapon adamantine, right?
0: You have to just no. have a
4: new...
3: Okay,
0: that's, that's my not going Because that's like the base material.
4: Bummer.
3: Can you just like tote it?
0: Can you get adamantine uh, arrows? Uh, yes. They're pretty expensive, but yeah. Jessup's got some monies. That won't be a problem.
3: And isn't it at a certain enhancement level you just count <laughs> as adamantine? Yeah,
0: at a plus five.
3: Plus five?
0: I think, or plus four. Planar might be plus five. I might have the numbers. I think Edmantine is the highest.
3: Which one is Cold Iron?
0: Plus three. Okay.
4: Does, um, like, Greater Magic Weapon, when Orin casts that, when he gets the enhancement bonus that way, does that count? I
0: don't know. I'm almost thinking probably not, but maybe. I'd have to look into it. Oh, oh,
3: it's been seven days. Okay. Kieran would give Diamond Dust to somebody. Can somebody cast Restoration on me?
0: That is true, yep. Yeah you could have
3: so I can get rid of my negative level because that's also affecting my research (laughs) somehow
2: sure what level spell is that
3: it's pretty high it's like a level five
0: I think it's a fifth level spell but Kieran uh bought the material component for it so
3: yeah so it would just cost you a level five spell
0: okay that's fine
2: we're not planning to go there today right
3: no
0: okay then that's fine
3: it is super appreciated super appreciated
0: yeah, you can get rid of your energy drain now.
3: Okay. I had purchased diamond dust for the party, but I will save that and just spend a thousand of my personal funds Okay, for that.
0: So that will bring us to the fifth day of research, the eighth total day here in Kragadan. And you can see if, if you can get lucky and uh, break through a second threshold here of four. Hey, that one might get me. Ooh, that's Ooh, a maybe.
3: 23. Oh, 21. All right, Knowledge Arcana. Well,
1: no, that's an aid 20. for
3: garbage. Natural six. This is...
4: You get, you get a plus four bonus. Maybe a 25 so a will do it.
0: 29 for mine. Yes, we have a 29, a 25. Yes, 25. And then a natural 20 from Jessup. The 25 will fail. Oh. The 29 will exactly succeed. Oh. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. So, Oren, that'll be a 1d8 from you and a 1d4 from Jessup. <laughs> Another one on the d 8 wow. sorry, dude.
4: It. Yay, three again!
0: Wow. Okay, you do make some more progress. You haven't hit the next threshold. There are four thresholds for this library. You haven't hit the second one, but you are close still. And I will say, I don't know if I called it before. If you have a spell or effect that can boost your skill for the entire eight hours, I would probably allow you to use oh, it. Ah,
4: dang it! Like heroism. Right. I'm in it. Uh,
0: I don't think heroism would last. Eight hours.
4: You could cast it multiple times. If Jason would allow it, I could, in theory, I believe, use my Inspire competence with Omnipresent Mentor for Kieran to give him my bonus for because it's for the day.
0: Yeah, because that lasts.
4: It's until whole I. Day. It lasts the whole day, so it's until I rest or I presumably give that to somebody else. Okay. I should have did that from the get go because it gives.
0: It would give him a plus. Four. bonus at this level?
4: Uh, plus five now with my cool Sike.
0: So yeah, you could do that and boost his, uh, check. Dang it, sorry sir, I should have done that.
3: That's okay. I am not rolling any better, so it's not your fault.
4: Well, that, that, um, yesterday would have made a difference.
2: Probably would have done more than
0: a nat one twice on damage.
3: We're just not a party built for research.
0: Day six of research, Jessup can do his omnipresent mentor, seeing that having some difficulty doing the research, he can try to help out a little bit.
4: So i expend four rounds of bardic performance to give Kieran a boost to Knowledge Arcana.
3: Alright, so, plus nine to this roll?
0: I uh, yes. Natural oh, 20. There you go. he <laughs> didn't even okay. need it! <laughs> Seriously,
3: it. I just needed that little boost, Jessup, that's what put me over the edge.
4: Kieran, no, no, no. You're reading the book like that map, upside down. Upside down. <laughs> You're making it more difficult than it needs to be. <laughs>
3: He's like, funnily enough, though, dwarven upside down is still, it still makes sense, just not the way you think
0: it will So it'll be a D12 and a D4.
3: And do I get two D12 because I critical?
0: I don't recall reading anything about criticals in the research rules. Okay, okay. In addition to these base amounts, rolling a natural 20 acts as a critical threat. If you can confirm the critical hit, the damage is doubled.
3: Alright, so 32 plus 9. Do I still have the, the competence? It would be at least a 36.
0: So, the knowledge Maybe point is doubled, so does that mean you do 24? That,
2: that would be sick. Yeah. Okay. Do it. Oh, it's so, just doubled? Yeah.
0: It's not rolled twice?
2: <laughs> yeah, baby. Yes, they
0: made up for it in one day. So, on, what did I say, this was the sixth day of research? I
2: believe so, yeah. Yeah.
0: You guys are all reading around in the Six Day of research. Research. Uh, Oren and Gideon, you're, again, having a hard time finding stuff. Kieran, with kind of the help that Jessup gave you, you're going around, and it's like every single book you pick out is like the exact book that you need, because your role alone got through all of the rest of the knowledge points in one check. So you obliterated everything, and uh, I'll just read you everything here at this point.
3: Well, at least it wasn't, like, the first roll, so we didn't
0: trivialize it because... no, no, you guys definitely struggled to do it, but that one check was rather phenomenal. Uh, We did it before Gideon needs his 12-day thingy, too. Yeah, (laughs) a a natural 20 followed by a 12 on a 12, so, yeah, that'll do it. Okay, at the second knowledge threshold, you learn that uh, the elemental horrors came from a passage called the Stone Road. Vaultway was originally constructed to secure an artifact called the Onyx Key, which was responsible for opening the Stone Road. The Reliquary of Ascension only later grew into a repository of knowledge, artifacts, and honored dead related to the Quest for Sky. Over the many millennia, references to the Stone Road began to disappear or were used merely as metaphors for Kragadan's Quest for Sky rather than a literal magical path. The third threshold, you learn that The disaster caused by the Onyx Key occurred over 9,000 years ago. Kragadan's king at the time was a contemporary of the legendary Kragadan himself. It was by the king's command that the dwarves began researching and experimenting with the Onyx Key. The details of their experiments you don't find immediately, but there is mention to something known as a Sardonyx Shard being the focus of their research, and the final threshold here you learn that the king who commanded the experimentation of the onyx key grew desperate after the disaster under threat from the orcs below uh, under uh, sorry the orcs above and the durgar below and now the elementals from within that had come from this artifact that he had uh, begun research with he took drastic measures to continue his stable rule He employed alchemy and arcane magic, and some references suggest blood sacrifice, to extend his reign far beyond the normal lifespan for a dwarf. Records are sparse, but it seems that some centuries after this event, his people revolted, and he called down unspeakable violence upon them. Accounts say that he abdicated the throne and ordered his own name be stricken from Kragadan's records, he then retreated into Vaultway, into the Reliquary of Ascension, never to be seen again. So that is some information that you learn from the Royal Archives. On that day when Carburton is with you, he kind of speaks, and you can see there's a very downcast expression on his face. And he says, it seems that uh, the blind spots in my re- my research are bigger than I thought. I can do nothing but apologize for my ineptitude. I'm sure my father would have known all of this information offhand.
4: Don't worry about it, buddy, there was a lot of books here. We, we struggled definitely for a few days, and we were dedicated just doing that.
0: Yes, I've, I've spent the past three years researching the books here in the Reliquaries, uh, in the, uh, Royal Archives, and researching, uh, the artifacts in Vaultway, but I, perhaps I grew arrogant. I thought that I knew more than I truly did, and, and this has proven to me that I still have much left to learn.
3: I don't know about that. I think sometimes you just need a fresh set of eyes to look at things. It's possible you had seen this information before, but just passed over it.
4: What Kieran said, we kind of was, you know, we, we at least had a few of the extra puzzle pieces they had to put together. You, you were kind of missing some. You didn't really have a direction to start with.
0: Yes, well, I, perhaps that's true, but at the very least we've learned quite a bit. This artifact that you mentioned, I was trying to find anything in my memory that matched it. but. With all this it makes sense. This tower that you spoke of must be made by this onyx key. I, I don't know what this reference is to the Sardonyx Shard, but perhaps that's something that controls it in some way. Maybe that's how they use it to to link up how they get to places, I'm not sure yet. But it was definitely here, and it does seem that that was the artifact that was stolen. So if the Iron Fang Legion has it now, then it would make sense that they were the ones who must have taken it to begin with. And it definitely seems that there was Great research done on it several thousands of years ago. The king at the time, it's interesting that his name was stricken from the records. If he retreated into the Reliquary of Ascension and was never seen again, perhaps he brought information with him there. Maybe there's more information we could glean inside. I will continue my research here. Perhaps I can learn more. But I think at this point, perhaps the next step would be the Reliquary itself.
3: Now, you don't think that he's still down there in some form or fashion, do you?
0: Uh, it's hard to say. My first thought would be that, you know, hardly anyone could live 9,000 years, but given what we've learned about him, this definitely could be something that would cause a soul to come back as an undead.
3: That's what I'm afraid of.
0: Even if he comes back as an undead, perhaps that means he is- if he's a ghost, perhaps we could even speak with him, and he could give a first-hand account of everything.
3: Right, but on the flip side, maybe he's something worse than a ghost, and maybe he doesn't really
0: want to talk. Indeed. That is something that we will have to prepare for. Again, I will continue research. If I find anything more useful, I will make sure to relay it to you, but perhaps you should go into it with that in mind. As a possibility, we can can't be too cautious.
4: So, I guess, I don't know if you guys are good with it, uh, but maybe we will want to wait another day, now that we kind of know what we might be up against to prepare ourselves? you know, we gotta find some more elementals. Karen, I don't know if you got any more of that resist magic and then, uh, potentially, like you said, I want some adamantite uh, weaponry, sorts.
3: The resist magic?
4: Resist, resist energy? energy. Oh, there's no resist magic? You don't have anything <laughs> just completely... Oh, I thought you could do that, Karen. I have
3: I have spell resistance, if that's what you're talking about.
4: <laughs> no, no, I was just talking about, like, the resistance to the fire and stuff. Sorry, my bad.
3: Oh, right, My yeah. brain's a
4: little shot right now.
3: Well, and I'm also thinking if... You know, not that we know this for sure, but if there's a chance that there's an undead down there, perhaps even a ghost, if he's not friendly, maybe we want to pick up something to help with that.
4: I mean, the dude is practicing blood magic. You think that he's friendly? I, I mean, he's on the verge of, you know, necromancy. So he could be a lich down there.
3: I don't even want to think about it, but it sounds like we have to go down there to get more information. So I'd rather be prepared for something that may not happen than the other way around.
4: Gideon, how how long until you get all your little gear and upgrades? Uh, what day is it, Jason?
0: So that was the sixth day of research, which would be the ninth total day. So there would be three more days until you get that particular item. Um, One more day for anything that was 10k. I don't know if anybody had 10k stuff.
1: Nope. I, I opted to get the other thing, Jace.
0: Okay. So then the only item that would still be pending would be that one shield for another three days.
1: Which he can go without. It It only costs me 3 AC if we decide to go early.
0: Is there
4: any way that you can buy another shield in the meantime to be able to use? He has one. He has one. Oh, okay. i then.
1: That's why I said it's only going to cost
4: me 3 AC as opposed to 6 AC. Well, I see. We rest up, rainstorm, and then we go in tomorrow.
3: All right. Do some final preparations mentally and see what we see in there, I suppose.
1: Oh, no. I'm afraid I'm never going to get that shield back.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
1: If if Jace will allow it, I'll just take the, the plus three if I go to the shop and tell him to forget the last bit.
0: I will say, uh, if the fortification bonus is the final bit, so you, you had a plus one shield and you wanted it to be a plus...
1: I had a plus two shield. Plus I wanted two shield.
0: Add. And you wanted to be a plus three fortification shield, light fort, yeah. light fortification shield,
1: light fortification. Yep. So
0: the plus three would have been done by now. The fortification is what they are currently working on. You could tell them to stop midway, but I would say that you'd have to restart the fortification process if you did that. Like if you resubmitted it, they'd have to start that part of it over again.
1: Right. If we doubled back, ever.
0: and I kind of feel like. You'd still have to pay for their services. Yeah, so I would. Right? I wouldn't worry about a uh
4: Let's be real here. If it's an undead of sorts, it's gonna hit you with touch attacks. That is, ain't gonna mean squat.
0: Okay,
3: <laughs> it's gonna be great if we're so prepped to fight undead, and then it's something completely different. No,
0: nothing's undead. It's all vermin oozes. <laughs> vermin oozes.
3: Vermin oozes. Oh, that's horrible. Vermin
0: oozed forms.
3: Although that's a fair point, though. If we're going into like. A place that's been shut up, there probably are vermin down there.
0: Vermin ooze swarms even.
3: You know what? Maybe let's just prep for every single thing that we could possibly yeah, fight. prep for
0: every conceivable enemy in the bestiary.
1: I already have three doses of that, so if we run okay, into Okay, all right, Josh, you're
3: just making stuff up at this point. Like <laughs> I mean, this,
1: is, this is
3: Ridiculous, he's this. just quickly yeah. adding this stuff in there. No, and that's uh, this is quantity mm. three. I already had that on my character uh-huh. sheet.
5: Uh huh,
0: yeah. I've had mm. repellent since day one. That's convenient. Character existence,
3: convenient.
0: Josh just goes through the equipment, and it, if he sees that it doesn't have a weight to it, he's like, I'll take three of that. <laughs>
5: yeah, <right>. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it, you shut up right now. <laughs>
0: Have- so <laughs> does like, what, what hurt
3: <laughs> when we met him he had the biggest backpack on it doesn't weigh anything but it still takes up space yeah. It's like
0: Santa Claus and he's like nah guys there's like nothing in here he's <laughs> just running around with a backpack and his underwear with a javelin pick and
4: berries
3: uh, turns out Gideon is deathly afraid of spiders so that's why he has vermin repellent mm
1: yeah yeah no guys guys stop okay I I, I don't have as many weapons as I did I I, I learned from those days okay not everyone needs a cloak of many weapons but you're not going to take my alchemical items from me okay (laughs) I love those
3: oh dear (laughs) right. (sighs) so I don't want to do this Jason can we skip this
0: right, this little bit Uh, here
3: let's just skip this
0: so moving on to book five
1: (laughs) I'm good with that Jace, we can figure out a bit later what we'll do with my equipment, but I'm okay to defer to the party as far as how we move. I'm just worried that if I don't get that shield back, that we might not go
4: back to Cragadan.
0: I mean, you I mean could, you're I'll, never I'll, leaving Kragadan.
4: That's second good You You also could have paid the extra 5000 that was asked of you to rush it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true if I had that, but yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's oh. fine.
4: Do, do you get some more repellents?
1: No, I already bought all those. We have three. Three will be enough.
0: Yeah, that fourth person's screwed, though.
4: <laughs> That's Jessup.
1: All right, I'll get one more. I think they cost like 10 gold. Yeah. Okay. We. Have, I find one.
0: So, yes. Uh, you guys, on that ninth day, you get this wealth of information and you decide that you're prepped. You, you kind of know what you might be going into and you rest for that day. And so you wake up on the the 10th day that you are in Kragadan. Um, if there were any items of 10,000 gold or less that you commissioned, they would be ready. Otherwise, you guys wake up in the morning, and you get situated, you get around, you get prepared, and you make your way towards the reliquary of Ascension. And I have two things that I'll say. One, we can figure out any quick last minute items you want to buy for preparations uh, between sessions again. And two, as you guys are preparing your spells for your entrance into the road, mind that you are now level 13.
4: So do we have access to the new goodies that we get?
0: Yep, you wake up at level 13. (laughs) It's like like a few. (laughs) So you will be entering the Reliquary of Ascension as 13th level characters, yes. Let's go! Oh, that's exciting! Let's go HP! Yes, everybody can roll their their hit points, and I can get my chart out so I can track it here. Alright, now I'm going to put
4: some ranks and uh, knowledges so I don't get (laughs) picked
0: on by certain individuals. No, you can do whatever you you want. want. (laughs) Hey, let's go! Okay, so character progression... Oren rolled a 3 on the die okay let me put that down do I get to re-roll a 3? Gideon rolled a 7 on the die One second. Jessup rolled a 4 on the die and uh, Kieran rolled a 3 on the die and yes d12s re-roll 1s 2s and 3s they all <laughs> re-roll 2s okay 8, Eight. I'll that's
3: take it that's good. not
0: bad Alright, and uh, there are no favored class bonuses for Kieran or Gideon. Oren and Jessup, you guys can tell me what you'd like to do, but both of you have been pretty consistent. Oren has always done hit points, and Jessup has always done his class bonus.
4: I'll more than likely do my class bonus. If that changes, Jason, I'll let you know.
0: Yep, I'll put that in for now, but let me know if that's different. Yeah, that's what Oren can do why break My house, the cycle I've updated here and uh i'll actually i'll actually put the link in the chat if you guys actually want to look at what the current progression for your characters roles and stuff has been we will talk about your level up at the start of next session and then we will go right into the reliquary of ascension but uh for now we'll uh see you guys next week